Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Shut up and sit down. Hey everybody, Adam and John back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Today we have in studio Pat and Amber Casey. This is a podcast that's like six months and like six hours in the making. (laughs) There's, there's, I don't know, like we're traveling down this like crazy path. Like I think we need to drink at least three hours or so before we actually podcast with the people that we're going to have. Three hours turned into (laughs) mm, about six, six and a half. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I think we're right on pace for, for that. 10 after 11. Yeah. We're good. So I think we've got a full backstory on Pat and Amber. They've got a pretty good insight on where we're at. So it's, uh, it's going to be a good one, I think. <laughs> like, whether it has anything to do with bow hunting, elk hunting, I think it's going to be about drinking. Um, all if, the tangents we went on earlier. We'll, uh, yeah, we're we'll gonna, see. Just rehash all that. We're going to try and stop all that and we're going to kind of get to the point. So, John, what's the point of this podcast, would you say? I don't know. Drink. I mean, that's, what, <laughs> that's what we've been doing. Well, my wife keeps asking, have you even started your podcast yet? It's so yeah. hot out here. <laughs> yeah. Well, that reminds me. I got to turn the heater down. So, so basically, um, so Pat had started his Midwest um, hunting journey out to uh, Montana elk hunting four years ago this past year and that was the time frame that it took him to become a successful uh elk hunter in the sense of having a harvest and so i wanted and honestly if you've heard him on uh backcountry rookies if, if you've followed along with his story on instagram or with amber any of that sort of stuff it was a very emotional um journey and i didn't even post the most emotional stuff (laughs) i still haven't watched that yet either but it's funny because you know i was telling them earlier but like so today is friday wednesday we ran into a guy at our local bowman's club joe i hope you're listening and you need to take all of this to heart (laughs) um but he's going out this year september and we're asking him questions about like you know, what are you going to do? Where are you going? And he's like, yeah, I don't really know, but we're going to do it. Um, and then yesterday a guy walks into the pharmacy and says like, I'm looking for a first aid kit for my elk hunt because I watch this uh, thing where the Sitka guy stabbed himself in the calf with the broadhead. Um, and so first aid was going to be paramount. And I'm like, where are you going? He's like, I don't know. What are you going to do? I don't know. Uh, rifle or archery? Well, archery. 
And so it took us down this huge rabbit hole. Um, and so I think for me, that's kind of like where we step in, like we're in no means the authority on this, but I think honestly, like we've done it and, you know, Pat and Amber have done it for the last four years. It took four years to have a a successful hunt. So to, to not successful. To have a harvest. 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 Meat in the freezer. Right. Because they're all successful. Right. So, and thank you for that. But honestly, like for the guy that, you know, as we get into Pat's story from his first year who says in August, yeah, I'll buy an over-the-counter tag and I'm going to go in September to that fourth year saying like, God damn it, what does it take? to close the gap from say where John and I were or, you know, where John and I will be to making that closing the deal essentially and spending the $600 to send your elk meat home. Shit. Oh yeah. yeah. It's so, probably kind of one of those. I wish I know then what I know now. Right. And so people, yeah. and, and that's what I want to uh, try and, and put out there. So um, I guess for, you guys, Pat and Amber, can you just kind of introduce yourselves um, and kind of just talk about like who you are as as hunters, like to this point? Sure. Yeah, I'm Pat Casey, um, a Uper, a, tr- a full blooded Uper. I <laughs> uh, grew up on the west end of the UP. Um, never really bow hunted until I graduated college in 2005. Um, a buddy of mine kind of got me into it, and I just went and bought a full setup for 500 bucks, Bass Pro Shops, and just started shooting. Um, I never actually shot a deer, oh, probably until I moved back to the UP. Um, and it was funny because it was always during late season. I never shot anything during normal bow season. It was always out my living room window, sitting in my recliner and during the migration. Well, that, I, mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to say, like, you're a full-blooded youper, like, that's, that's what they do. Right there. That's, that's what it, they do. It's, that's part of being a youper. That's not, like, part mm-hmm. of, like, your hunting uh, pedigree or anything like that. That's just, like, part of the lifestyle. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I, it was pretty much just all rifle hunting up and up until that point. Um, you shot your bur- first uh, buck downstate. That I was did. just a few years ago. Yeah. yeah. With his bow. And the sad part is, I mean, it was a house we were renting. Um, In Grand Rapids on 30 acres. And it was just a spike, but it was meat in the freezer. Yep. But that was the first buck I ever shot with a bow, which mm-hmm. was everything else up to that point was, was just does. So just real quick, um, only because you put it in such a manner you said oh it's just a spike or like or or whatever like in the up does it does it matter what you shot um or is it because it's like your first bow kill i mean would you have shot that deer with a rifle does it does it really matter like what it was does it change the fact i mean the first deer that i shot in my life was like it probably could have tagged it with a doe tag. Uh, with a doe tag, <laughs> but it they weren't covered in velvet, 
I was 14 years old. It was the first deer that I saw with a rifle in my hand, and I couldn't have been more ecstatic. And it none of that mattered. So the backstory on that spike is the the house we were renting, the property that we were hunting. They were developing it the next year, so it was kind of take what whatever. we can, you know, whatever right. legal pops out in front of us, but. I don't know. I, well, UP is... Is that APR? It is uh, now. There's, there's certain areas that yeah. are... Um, I know where I grew up, in the town that I grew up in, there was some part of the county that, that was APR. But, I mean, I say just, but, I mean, everything everything you shoot's a trophy. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had no qualms about taking a spike. Um, Tastes good. Yeah. Yeah. I have no problem taking... Year and a half old doe, it's, and it's it's funny because I'm I'm so proud when I shoot a doe because sometimes I feel like does during archery are harder to shoot than oh. than bucks. Everything's so just as tough. It's it's like automatic. You say, "Oh, it's just a doe." I'm like, "Wait a minute, that was a pretty big accomplishment yeah. to to I'm, shoot something." I'm telling like you right that. now, some of the some of the freaking <laughs> hardest hunts were <laughs> trying to shoot with them damn old does. Yeah, yeah. you know they come in and they're just. They have that sixth sense going. They're like, what? And if someone could see us right now, (laughs) I'm making some pretty uh, silly uh, gestures. But, (laughs) but yeah, them does, the mold does are are tough to kill. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's the only reason that I wanted to know because it's like we talked about earlier, like falling into a rabbit hole of saying, well, well, I got to kill this or I got to kill that or I got to kill this. And we t- joked about the UP being a four pointer, an eight pointer, a ten pointer. It doesn't matter. It could be er, uh, anything yeah, er, anything er. Eight. I mean, it makes it that much bigger, eh? But <laughs> it's, it's just it's just the way that it is. And like my whole hunting, you know, every every year from the, when I was fourteen until I was twenty one, every time I stepped into the woods with a rifle, it was in the UP. And it never mattered one bit. And so to talk to people across the country or the world and say like, oh, well, it was just a spiker, like whatever. A spiker, I think is probably why you said it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I'm just curious because honestly, like with a bow, I feel like every deer that I've ever killed with a bow was hard fought. There wasn't one that was just mm-hmm. like super easy. And I have, I mean, last year, uh, 2017, like I had one handed to me on a platter, like where I could have videoed it. I was trying to video it and I missed it at, I missed one at 12 yards. I missed one at 14 yards. Sounds like my 2018 I, season. I, I, I missed it. I missed it again. Uh, at 25, like everything just went wrong on the easiest deer in the world. And so any harvest with a, with a bow, I feel like is like, I don't know. That's what, that's what does it for me. Yep. That's, yep. that's why I do this. Yeah. And so the hard part is, is like to, for the detractor that says, well, it's just a spike. So I just wanted to see like where your head is at. What I, would I love to shoot something big? You betcha. Eh. <laughs> but uh, I had to throw that in there. Yeah. <laughs> but 
if nothing walks by that's gigantic, I'm I'm gonna take what the good Lord gives me. I mean, so <laughs> I saw a post from a guy I follow on Instagram. He's a Numa guy. Um, so I remember that one. Yeah, he is it in Montana. He's I think from. So. He how did he put that? Is I'm, that Fred Bohm? Yes, mm-hmm. I'm a trophy I hunter. Saved it. It, that's that. What do you say? I'm a, I'm a trophy hunter, or I'm a, I'm a hunter. No, he said I'm a trophy hunter. When a, when trophy, a trophy walks, walks by, by, I'm a hunter the rest of the time. Right. Yep. Oh my god, that stuck with that's me. Perfect. Yeah. And it, yeah. That is like one of the things. Like I've saved and I've looked at that post like <sighs> back again and again and again. Cause the, because the the picture was he shot a, a little like six point basket rack or something. I mean, I, I say little, but. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't the size of a basketball. No, and he's dragging it like across the water. Uh, water, yep. you know, and and that was the like the quote that was there, and it's like, man, if you don't take something away from that, then you're in this for the wrong reason. Yeah, like yes. the reason that you walk into yep. the woods is like something is like seriously like you're missing the point of, of what you're doing so i i still feel like like suddenly you say just a spike or just a doe that that's kind of the norm nowadays if you don't shoot a 150 inch buck i feel like that's what everybody starts their story off with well it was just a just a, right. just a, i like, could care less i just want to eat it yeah <laughs> yeah like in the moment I don't give a shit. I'm killing. If it's not a button buck, I am killing whatever is in front of me. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> okay, so not to yep. take away from that. So for for the rest of your story, because I mean, we gotta see where Amber falls into this as well. Eh. So yeah. he killed his elk, so he, it's all on him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was luck, yeah. but I needed a little luck, or we needed a little luck. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've only been bow hunting for what now. 14 years um and i always had the bug in the back of my mind that i wanted to go out west and and hunt elk that was before i started bow hunting so it was mostly just with the rifle that i was going to go out there with at the time um but then i got hooked on that beast and it's been downhill ever since and lots (laughs) of money yeah and time met my wife moved back down state here to grand rapids and yeah that's kind of where we sit right now Okay, so before we get into Amber's story, I just want to like take one very important nugget um, away from that one, because you know we're going to be talking on Monday with some like real serious like big buck killers, and when we speak to people that are bow hunting, you know the people that are listening. Everybody wants to kill a big buck. Just like you said, do you want to be a trophy hunter? I'm a trophy hunter when they walk by, but everybody's at a different stage in their, their journey as an archer. And so the most important thing that I took away from that is that he said, I have only been hunting for 14 years. So imagine if you picked up a bow last year or five years ago or whenever it is, and you say, well, I I'm not killing a 150. You know, it it doesn't work that way. You know, Frank's told me for years and years and years and I hope that it's translated uh, across is that you got to get a couple under your belt. Like it doesn't matter what it is, like you just got to get com- 
get comfortable mm-hmm. shooting yeah. at live right. animals. Mm-hmm. Right. You got to kill something. Yeah, I mean, it it. kill something, process it, you know, eat it. And, and strive to get better. Right. Yep. And that's that's all that you can do. So that's just the one thing because he says, I've only been hunting for 14 years. But that's he's even... old. <laughs> <laughs> so 14 years isn't that long. Look, look around look around the room. I know. You, I know. You, Amber said earlier, and I quote, Ouch. I feel like I'm in a bow hunting museum. <laughs> <laughs> I've only been hunting for 30 years. So. The stuff he has in here is probably older than me. <laughs> for sure it is. <laughs> I got some bows that, that I'm sure are older than you. Oh, sorry to divert. No, no, no. no. Uh, but, I mean, I, th- I feel like that's very important, you know, for, for anyone who's, like, saying, like, all right, well, I'm an adult onset hunter. Like, I just started, and I didn't kill a 150 last year. Like, well, you know. Well, who, who cares? Right. Yeah. Fuck the 150s. Fuck. I mean, yeah. excuse my language, but. What a, you're on our podcast. You're not on somebody else's. <laughs> right. so you don't need but, to say I mean, whatever you kill. What you want to kill? Every, yeah. Everything's a trophy. I mean, as long as you respect that animal and you know do it, you know the the right thing with it. Yep. You're not just out there killing it. Right. You're just gonna, for the kill. Just yeah. for the kill. Exactly. <laughs> you're gonna kill it. You're gonna process it, and you're gonna eat it. You know. You're talking about the best natural. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, everything. Everybody's going out now and and going to the Whole Food store and or the butcher box. I mean, I'm Quite not organic. saying yeah, organic, organic. You're not going to find anything more organic than you know a deer. Yep. I mean, walking around out venison says the guy that's never killed an elk. But we're going to get into that. Well, I mean, <laughs> don't whatever. So back to when he said. Oh, only been hunt- bow hunting for 14 years. I feel like it's a different mindset. And he said that because, you know, say you've been whitetail hunting for 13 years. On your 14th year, you decide to go elk hunting. It's a different game. I mean, you can draw back on 50 whitetail. And when you have a bugling bull at 20 yards in front of you, you forget what the fuck you're doing. I'm not. I'm speaking from experience. Speaking from experience, it is a totally different ball game. And the same goes for everybody who's been elk hunting their whole lives. They come whitetail hunting in the Midwest, and they're like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. It's. I don't want to sit here in this tree for. Uh, right? Yeah, it's gonna be so easy. You know, they're just so gonna walk right by us. It's just kind of what you grew up with. Right. You know, in your experience. On, and and on so that. with that, so what is your what has been your experience with archery and bow hunting? And- so I, I shot my first whitetail when I was like 17 with my bow. First year ever. Like two years ago then? <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. Um, no, that would be 13 years ago. And I was hooked. Um, I had gone out hunting before that, gone hunting with my dad and my brothers a little bit, but that's when it really, you know, I, I got hooked and I, I, I took a little break per se in my like late teens, early twenties, work, college, all that. And it, it really hit me in like my mid, early mid twenties is when I just eat, sleep, breathe it. And that's what we do now, especially the past four or five years. You know, we don't really do much else, and I love it. Absolutely love it. Haven't shot an elk yet, but... <laughs> shot at. 
shot at. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> so for the okay, so going down this uh, journey as archers, you know, for John and I, it's been decades of whitetail hunting and saying like, oh, we can't go elk hunting or we, you know, it's just one of those things where you, you feel like it's insurmountable or monetarily you just can't do it. So obviously this past year, John found, or two years ago, whatever, John found born and raised. He had a, a, a trip out West that kind of like culminated everything. And he's like, fuck this. I'm going elk hunting. And then, so I had to be like part of the ride. <laughs> and I mean, I don't like, think he forced you into <laughs> it. The, 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 I mean, you know, from, from the get go was like, I can't go this year. I can't last year. I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't have the time. And then it was like, okay, Hey, well, you want to go? <laughs> if, if I, I have an opportunity. Let's do it. Um, so as we go through this, I want to know from the the person who's never done it's perspective, like what does it take on what sort of timetable? So is it, if you're going to be, if you're going to decide in August that you want to go, if there's a guy like a guy that shoots at the club, Joe, who decides, you know, right now in March, he's going to go in September, has zero planning, or someone who has four years worth of planning and has been, say, as close as John and I got, but we just couldn't close the deal. Like, how do we break down those steps? So the first time that you went out, Pat, you decided on a women of prayer that you were going to buy a tag in August and you had everything, you had the world by the balls and it was going to take you from August until September and you were going to kill a fucking elk. No Mind problem. you, he had access to private property, a huge ranch, which is, that's another discussion, but a little bit different than going in totally blind on public land. But I think that that's important because let's yep. just say that you do have that and you're like, well, you know, I mean, so it's going to be so easy. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't necessarily, um, John's plan setting out, but he was like, well, I got a really good guy in Montana and we're going to go out there and it should be real easy because he has access to all of this stuff. So from having that opportunity on a piece of private land, like what did you think going into it? And then what was reality? And then what did, what transpired in that one month? What was your training like? And then what was the shock when you got out there? Hmm. Condensed. <laughs> so I didn't know Jack squat. <clears throat> and I did a little bit of reading as much as I could before going out there but what what did you see i don't even know that what but what did you think like when you bought the tag like like before you what did you expect yeah like when you when your buddy says hey let's do this and you're like well fuck yeah we can i'm I'm ready to kill an elk i killed this spiker with my bow out my (laughs) 
<laughs> back window. It's no problem. I can kill an elk. Hey. I'm on it. Hey. So, I mean, I expected, I expected shooting a long shot or at least being prepared to shoot a long shot. Um, I expected at least some rugged terrain that I'm going to have to hike up and down with half to more than half less oxygen than what I'm breathing in Michigan. Um, did you expect to see something and shoot at it? Like, were were you going out there and be like, I'm going to see something, I'm going to kill it. I like, like whitetail hunting. So just based, so my buddy that I went with, this was his third year, I believe going out to this same piece of property. And he had stories of, of elk every year. So you relied on him. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was relying on him a lot to, he had been out elk cutting quite a bit um, with a rifle and with a bow. So I relied on him for a lot of the stuff I had never called before. I had no idea what the friggin' use. Um, Their patterns. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, oh yeah, I've heard of, I heard an elk Buke up in Atlanta, Michigan. Yeah. That's pretty freaking awesome. Make the hairs on, on your neck stand up. But did I know what they were saying? Nope. Nope. <laughs> so, I mean, I didn't have a lot of time to train. I mean, I knew it was going to be brutal, but, um, I mean, we were kind of lucky too because we were hunting like a, it was a big flat top for like three, four miles. And then either side is where it dropped down and then it was hilly. Um, and then dark timber dark timber on both sides and there were some nice nice pockets and stuff too so yeah i mean i was expecting that but literally the first day out i saw the biggest bull i've ever seen in my entire life run down this draw at dusk hop the fence go into this into the next field over and the next morning was when i actually got to run after some i almost passed out because i couldn't breathe (laughs) So I wasn't I wasn't even close to being in shape. Rule number one: train. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's the biggest thing I learned from my first year was I'm like, all right, I I need to get my lungs in shape. Um, but I mean, I shot every day up to up to going out there. I was shooting every single day as much as I possibly could, just because I hadn't shot out to long distance before either. Um, so <laughs> between more training learning what the hell these elk are saying that was a huge thing and i don't think there was a lot out at that point in time either um i had bought a couple books off amazon um i think after that first year because he's a youper and they don't have the internet yeah that too (laughs) but i mean i hadn't i hadn't really heard about some of these other guys and like heard about podcasts and um really started diving into a lot of that stuff and i bought books I read them after our first year, and I mean, <laughs> to the first our first year. I mean, we got into elk. I mean, there were bugle fests going on, just rut fests, and we couldn't. I couldn't do anything. I'm sitting there with a hoochie mama, just blowing on a hoochie mama. <laughs> like, what the fuck am I doing? I yeah, he's he's kind of he's looking at me, he's, but like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, I'm, he has no idea. I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, listen, bitch. I'll get I'll get back with you later. I'm gonna go kick this guy's ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so uh, on on that note, 
um, I guess overall elk knowledge, where are you at with, with that when you went out there? Did you just think like, well, I can buy this from Cabela's and it says like calls an elk every time or, <laughs> yeah. or like, I mean, understanding of like what it was that you were doing. So without doing a lot of digging, I mean, I had heard an elk bugle before. I know I heard a cow mewing, but I didn't really remember that part of it when we went up to Atlanta with, with a friend of mine. Um, and my buddy that I went with, he's like, here, you need this bugle tube, which was the tube with like <laughs> the blue rubber on the end of it. The latex. The, hole in the it. latex. Yeah. Yeah. The Terminator. Yeah. Yes. Latex diaphragm on <laughs> yes. it. So he's like, here, practice with this. Um, here's a bunch of, I mean, it was, as a hoochie mama and some other like just hand calls too that and some that you just like a single read call that you could blow into also so i'm sitting at my house and i'm trying to make a bugle sound come out of that tube and i had no idea what the hell i was doing i had nobody to teach me um so yeah i just i didn't i didn't know what i was doing so yeah you go out there and you try and just throw some throw some sounds out there and hope hope what you're doing is going to work and bring something to you so if you're talking to the guy that decides in march that he wants to go out learn your shit as far as elk calling start your research now know what they're saying know their language and that's the, the app you can download, uh, the Elk Knot app, oh, and just the, like, po- the podcast now. Yeah, just like John, I'm Paul incarnate right yeah. now. Yeah, so <laughs> Elk Knot. So, so that's one of the things, like, you know, I, I mean, I feel like Amber hasn't had nearly as much to drink as the rest of us, so she's like... <laughs> Because I was this, full. Okay. We, we need to get this podcast over with. It's been seven hours. It's eleven forty. We've been here for a month. Um, <laughs> Forever. But but yeah, so and that's kind of jumping ahead too. Yeah, that yeah, whole fuck part it. of it. Uh, we're, we're gonna go into it what right now. What was the question again? Yeah, exactly. So fuck it. it. First first impressions of the Casey's. We go up to the Total Archery Challenge. And we, John and I volunteer for... Totally jumping subjects. (laughs) No, this is 100% relevant. John and I are volunteering for BHA and Amber's on the board with BHA. And we're sitting there trying to help people buy things, except for we were never taught how to complete complete a transaction. So we're like, here, we have these things, we have those... Everybody there seems to be drinking beer. I have a backpack full of beer, so we're drinking beer with everybody that's there. We're talking <laughs> elk hunting with everybody that's there. And then Amber walks up because just, she just got done shooting, and she's like, how come you guys aren't selling anything? And we're like, we don't know no how, how to settle, <laughs> sell anything. I don't know what to do with my hands. And so we're, we're having a conversation, and then we're trying to figure – she's selling things. Never She never taught us how to sell anything either. But she's selling things That's and she's saying, lie. like, <laughs> you saying, die. She's saying, we need to figure this out. And uh, then we start talking bow setups and she's talking about her arrows. And I'm like, oh, you need to talk to John. She goes over and talks to John. 
you know, she's talking about her husband. We're talking about like our wives, like our whole lives and everything. And then here comes this gargantuan fucking man with fucking like sleeveless t-shirt tattoos all Grizzly over. Grizzly Adams. Yeah. And it's he's the like, lumberjack. He's got <laughs> fucking giant eyes like, hey, I'm Pat. And I think he broke my uh, he's metatarsal. He <laughs> shakes your hand head. like super hard, like you're you're talking to my wife. Like seriously, get the fuck like, out of here. We're like, no man, we're volunteering. We're volunteering. <laughs> we don't know how to sell things. And so from there, it's it's spawned into this podcast. But the moral of the story and how we get to this point is that. We're like, hey, we're going on this elk hunt, and we don't know anything about anything. Amber, Pat, Bob, his wife, they're like, the elk nut app. Like, you need to know the elk nut app. You need to download this. So, John and I download this app, and what personally I didn't realize was that it wasn't just like a food for thought. like Quick you know, how-to. Yeah, like. These are elk sounds and make something like this. It's a dictionary. Well, but that's what I did is like, so I, when I was looking at it, I was like, I can make these sounds. Mm. I didn't really like dive into like what they meant. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's kind of like year one versus year four, right? For sure. Is because Mm -hmm. John went like, Fuck this! I'm graduating early. Like I'm like, <laughs> like I'm 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 gonna memorize this shit because because yeah, and that was it. it. Was like he that's he was like oh, that's a cow bugle. I know it, and I'm like that sounds like a fucking turd. Like, <laughs> and I'm like I don't know what that is, but I don't I don't. He's like that's totally a cow bugle, and he's pulling up the elk nut app, and he's like, listen to this. Listen, I know. I've memorized every single one of these. I know what they all are. <laughs> to, be, and- <laughs> to be able to follow you guys out there would have been fucking hilarious. Yeah, because yeah, we would have been sitting there actually going after and calling yeah. them. <laughs> because that's not like, I, I mean, I, I can't like try and put this out. You know, these guys are sitting here with us. But like my personality is like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like I... I <laughs> We'll figure it out. I got it. And John's like, this is this, 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 this. You need well, to do exactly. this. And it turned out like when the raghorn come in and started barking at us, I'm like, bark back at him. He's like, what? <laughs> How do I do that? I'm like, what's a bark? Do no, the I, same thing no, you I, just I, did. I, I, <laughs> it didn't. I knew what was happening, but I just didn't like, it wasn't like reactionary. It wasn't like, just do that. And he's like, that was a bark. Like. This is what we need to do. It was like it was like John was taking a test, and he was like, "I know all the answers." And I was like, "Well, let me see A, B, C." He has a little cheat card in front of him. <laughs> yeah, like, it's not multiple. <laughs> fucking bark back at <laughs> And and so again, I feel like we went from year one to year four very very quickly. But ultimately, well, our experience with the people that we met yeah, oh. and to to very much include Pat and Amber from the Total Archery Challenge. If you know someone who's been elk hunting or who has like went down this journey, pick their brain. And <laughs> it's it's those little things. It's the little tiny things and I think that that's what I'm trying to like draw out of these two here. And you know, so 
uh, Pat went two years with his buddy and then two years with Amber. And, and so that's kind of like where we're at and like trying to figure out like if you're going on your first year and you maybe are just picking this up, not with John and I, because I feel like John and I are outside of the norm. I feel like we had a, a very good. You got lucky. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, you had a good education. Yeah, behind I mean, you, you, yeah. There was a good, well, a, a good, a good um, group to draw from. Right. Yeah. If you were going out there on your without any of this, if you never listened to any podcast, if you never had, I mean, we got to talk to some of the best people in the industry and mm-hmm. pick their brains, and then the things that we took away from that, along with like you guys, Tom and Sarah, Lance. You know, people that have done it from our perspective saying, don't hunt them like whitetail. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't be a pussy. Yeah. And I mean, th- <laughs> those are right things that it, it well, takes time. And yeah. if you only have seven days or 10 yeah. days or whatever. Going back to, you know, you guys got to pick different brains, ours, other people you named off. But how did you know? See, now I'm interviewing you. <laughs> how did you know where to go in Idaho? How did you know how to e-scout? Because e-scouting is huge, too. Before, so, not, we'll get back to your question, but uh, our first year hunting together in 2017? Yes. Yes, 2017. Brand new piece of property. It was private property, but we still had never been there. So we were e-scouting like crazy. And it butted up to federal. It so butted up to federal land. Federal but we, we were like, this is our piece of property. We knew we were going to be there. We didn't have to pick from thousands and thousands of acres of public land. Right. That just gives me anxiety thinking about <laughs> having to do that. So how did you guys dial down? Okay. So <laughs> real quick. Um, so there's uh, somebody who had. Uh, come into the pharmacy who has a place out there. He's got 70 acres or something like that, but he's been hunting out there since the eighties and super back country, all stick bow. I mean, and super successfully killed everything under the sun. Grizzlies, everything. So stick bow. Um, and John was talking about his thing. And I was like, there's no way that I'm going to be able to go this year. There's no way. So I said, hey, I'm going to need to pick your brain about hunting elk. Um, you hunt elk, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Idaho. And I was like, yeah, that's what I thought. And uh, he says, with a bow or a gun? I said, with a bow. I don't care about gun hunting. And he's like, we should come out this year and blah, blah, blah. Well, then that's when John's thing kind of like turned into a big group hunt of like we're going to mob after him and that wasn't what really what he was looking for and it was one of those things where strike with the iron's hot so i made it happen like i'm in yeah like like well i can take and it wasn't the and that's one of the things i want to get into like is when you guys think like the best time to go for and the amount of time Mm -hmm. but it was like i can take this week and i can have this many days and that's it. Those are my right. only option. Mm-hmm. That is when I can go, and that's it. Take it um, or leave it. Yeah. So if you want to go, that's when we can go. But 
from there, at least we had a jumping off point. And so we had a unit and we had, um, I've had success here, here, and here. There's not that many hunters. There's not that many elk, but there are elk and you're going to have an opportunity if you work hard. So you kind of had, I don't want to say an inside person, but you, you had yeah, somebody oh, to, yeah, oh, for to sure. talk Some with. Okay. Yeah, so we, we didn't have some, to use Go Hunt or something like you that. You didn't have to, just, to start from 100% scratch right, and be no. like, mm, okay, I've narrowed it down to that point. Right. right. Okay. But I think that the guy that starts in August isn't going from that point. The guy that goes in March has Me, a whole another. Oh. And that, that's kind of why I brought that up yeah. because it's like if you're thinking about going now hmm. you and, better you, be. and you don't have an quote unquote inside person. You need to get your shit together. Yeah, right. yeah. you're screwed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's kind of like how we settled on where we were going, and then we got pointed in a direction. And that off podcast, I'll give you like the reason it didn't work out the way that we thought it was going to, because that gets into a whole much bigger story that we found Ooh. out later. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> just hear the, mm, the plot thickens. Uh, message me on social media if you want to hear the rest of the story <laughs> but but anyway so from from your first year and saying okay well, we're going to go out there and you have a month to prepare um, what was your I guess year two Okay, so now you know that you're going to go out there. You know maybe where your deficiencies were, what changed. And what I want to know also is like through this whole thing, whole process, year one to year four, gear that you never used, gear that you wish oh, you geez. had, and things that changed. Well, you lost like 30 pounds the second year. Yeah, didn't you? That, oh, yeah that was... <laughs> GI big. issues. I hear that's an issue. <laughs> Listen to Backcountry yeah. Rookies podcast. You'll hear all about that. <laughs> no, so yeah, I mean, after knowing I was deficient in, yes, I could hike, but freaking elk can move like you would not believe, and for you to to move to get in front of them, I mean, you got to be in shape. So. That was my first priority for year two. Cardio and lower body. Legs and lungs. Yep. That's that's the biggest thing I could say. Um, I mean, between even if even if you're on flat ground, hike with a weighted pack, walk with a weighted pack. Even on flat ground, you you want to duplicate as much as you can the conditions that you're going to be out in. If you're on flat ground, you know what? Who cares? Throw 50, 60 pounds in your pack and hike four or five miles do it whenever you can do it every day um i guess on top of that i mean the other thing was too <laughs> i was still in the whitetail mindset and even though people told me my first year they're like you can't hunt them like whitetail you need to be aggressive um they don't spook like whitetail i mean they're gonna smell you if they smell you you're screwed if they see you they're not as freaked out if they hear you, kind of the same thing. So my second year, I wanted to be more aggressive. So I lost a bunch of weight, did a bunch of running and hiking. Um, 
and really continued on the shooting part of it too. So with that, um, gear wise, um, between first and second year, I still didn't really know a ton about gear yet. That was um, still a learning curve. We kind of dove into that the year, the first year we went together, yeah. our, our third year. So it's funny because my second year, I'm like, oh, what are these mouth recalls and bugle tubes? Like, I want to learn how to do this. I didn't give myself enough time to practice. Um, I can make better turkey calls with my uh, <laughs> my my elk reeds than I could making elk sounds with my elk reeds. But... I wish I wish I would have practiced more with that for the second year. So, yeah, I read some books. I hadn't really heard of any other information out there as far as what these sounds mean, what's going on. I feel like the third year is that was kind of the turning point. Oh yeah. Between calling, the gear, conditioning, we just dove in head first like when we decided and found out we you know we're going to montana we're like oh shit yeah <laughs> we know we have private property now we got to get our shit together okay so since you brought that up it reminded me of one of the questions that i had from for you guys so you guys were hunting montana so the whole time has been montana yep. i know that the licensing structure had changed from <laughs> when you started to mm-hmm. right now dramatically so, so what is the license structure look like right now for Montana? So Pat's first year, we'll start with that. You bought and we call it general over the counter tag, but it's a non-resident. You got the deer combo, right? No, not the first year. Oh, so he got an elk tag the first year, which for non-residents, it's limited to 17,000. They call it over the counter, but, but it it's basically a leftover. At it's that still, point. yeah, it's still yeah. limited. So he bought it, no questions asked. August, sweet. Next year, you bought it in. No, second year we actually applied for. Oh, the break. A special draw unit. That's right. Which right. there's there's not a lot of special draw units in Montana, um, and we didn't draw, so our option was a general take tag. a general tag. Right, but so, you were in at that point. Yes. Yeah, not not an issue at all. So the third year, which was my first year in Montana, um, we bought in July. Yep. And leftover tags. Leftover tags were like, sweet, not a big deal. Well, they sold out in like August because they they cap it at seventeen thousand. So, right. like, holy shit! You know, this is becoming more of a happening place, essentially. Thanks, meat eater. <laughs> I, I thought it. You said it. <laughs> so. We got a tag, and I ended up getting a preference point that year, too. So fast forward to 2018, I told him over the winter, I'm like, dude, we, we need to apply just to be safe. I said, I don't want to take the chance. So we put in the formal application. I drew, but he didn't at first. He got this thing that pretty much said, I don't even know what the hell it said. But I looked it up, and it was... He he didn't draw, but somebody had um, like returned their license essentially, so he got that. So it's like a second draw, like a second draw. Like, holy fuck! And there's people like 
people that go every year that did not draw a Montana general tag, general elk deer, because their their elk combo and the deer combo is part of that seventeen thousand. Right. So it's it's very hard. Like we don't know if we're gonna go to Montana this year. And so how did that work with your buddies then, John? Like what was your plan? Because you were planning for two thousand eighteen possibly for right. so yeah, the same thing was you if you didn't put in and I mean like right now they're putting it's over. It's over. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. So if you didn't put in and you had to put up the money up front. Yep. Yep. Thousand or nine hundred bucks. Right. Yep. And so and that's when because I almost I was going to do both last year. Like, well, we'll see. Because yeah, he was going to just let me drive past Bozeman, <laughs> drop him off, and then like, like, figure it out. I'm like, either that or I was going to, I was going to put him on the the plane in Bozeman. I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll return the, you know, and <laughs> when I get done. But <clears throat> I was like, no. <clears throat> My wife was like, yeah, you're not going to buy a, you know, nine hundred dollar tag now in the spring, and then have another tag and be out. The- nope. So, uh, my wife doesn't listen to the podcast and she has no idea what the tags cost. It was like 150 bucks. Right. Exactly. That's what we'll tell her. I'll tell her. Don't worry. Yeah. So, so anyway, yeah. So they put in, they had, they put in for special draws, but then they didn't get them. So they just had the general tag and they were still within, you know, the limit they got theirs. So, but this year. I've been getting emails that are like, or, you know, up until this point, up until, and they were like, you need to get in. So did we, you, we applied it as a party this year. We did. Instead of applying it separately. So yeah. did you buy a preference point last year? I didn't do anything with my You didn't do Montana. anything? Nope. Okay. Well, nope. and that's what I was thinking. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite disappointed because I saw all the stuff for, that's how I know Montana's over because it was yesterday or two days ago. The 15th. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. last week yeah yeah and it was like well if we're gonna try and hunt montana next year like buy what? a point you can, yeah, you can still buy a but point I, but i mean we should have right. bought a point this year you to still, guarantee you still can, still can. You still can. Oh, you can. Yep. so that that's not to... over so if you buy a point like if we don't draw this year we're we're guaranteed to go in 2020 pretty it's like much 15 dollars <laughs> i think or 50. 55 55 yeah. that's what i meant yeah 55 dollars for a point um you know, depends on where you're at. It's Montana. Fuck Montana. Oh, no one. No one wants to hunt Montana. There's there's too many people. There's not enough elk. That's all. I'm saying. Oh yeah. Yeah, you don't want to. Yeah, go there's there. not shit yeah, there. Right, yeah. well, and there's tons of wolves in Idaho, so don't go there either. <laughs> right. And there's you know, I mean, Montana going to be getting eaten by a grizzly bear, so mm-hmm. <laughs> or a cougar. Yeah. Yeah. And not the woman kind. No, unfortunately no. for you. <laughs> Stay away from Montana. Go like to New Mexico and you know put all your points down there. Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> so year two for Amber's sake was yada yada, no elk. Still Huchimaba. Didn't figure it out. Um, year three, you decide... I decided I'm getting married. Your buddy's Jeff. <laughs> he decided to fuck, screw up his life. <laughs> fuck, fuck Jeff. Amber knows more about elk hunting than Jeff does. Man, I don't know about that. But. <laughs> I'm taking her. Hey, let, uh, I mean, if we want the like truncated timetable, um, 
what let's see 2015 um no shots 2016 no shots no shots 2017 get married take amber now let's dive right into that 2017 is a miss and a wound uh, well is time but but (coughs) things change dramatically not only in personal life but in opportunities and arrows loosed right so arrows made and that rabbit hole and learning elk language yeah so so let's let's talk about that so from day one to to day three i mean you for john and i we went out there and we accomplished everything that we set out to it's like on some level we should have set our goals higher um because we were content having what what transpired we didn't come home let down and it's like if we would have said all right well we need to kill maybe it would have changed our efforts on day one two three or and draw four. back or just get drawn back yeah i mean uh, yeah i mean that could have been it because i mean if we would and we we weren't i mean we were being realistic i mean especially after like all the stuff that we've listened to we, we and talk, the people that we talked to the people mean, that we talked to are right. like mm-hmm. you know what go out there with realistic expectations and i mean and that's one of the things that i've always done you know like yeah, I really want to win the lotto, but yeah, <laughs> like I'm not gonna. But but you got to play to win, yep. right? So so I mean, and that comes with elk hunting. I mean, you get you're gonna go out there. Yeah, I would love to kill an elk. I want to. I'm gonna kill elk. a 350, a 400. Right. I'm gonna go out I there. I couldn't even. You know, I couldn't yeah. even tell you what one right. looks like. But the motherfucker that I saw <laughs> was humongous. <laughs> I mean, and that that's no that's no bullshit. I mean, when we, you know, we like toned it down like i mean it was a five by five right that's what we said you know five by five i guarantee you it was a six by six and it was you know 300 plus it was a giant it was a it was a giant bull when i walk when i popped my head up over the log i was like holy fuck that's a that's a real bull i mean (laughs) it was huge you know and then adam's talk about how like he's you know leaning back and then adam doesn't do it justice because he's like, his horns were wider than me. I'm like, well, they don't take much to get wider than <laughs> wider than, than my shoulders, right? I mean, wider than both two of, of us. You. I mean, two I, of you. I'm not saying. I mean, you know, even a big guy, two of us together. Yeah, then it's that's so it, 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 it was huge. And then it's like he tip his head back and he's scratching the, his yeah, ass. Yeah. It had the whale the, tails. He's and got it was the touching his ass. I mean, it, it was like so absurd. Uh, especially considering, like, having never seen an elk in my life until a day before that or two days before that. Right. And it's like I saw a little tiny elk. Then I saw a bigger elk that was, like, a raghorn. And, like, I've seen elk that my dad killed and, like, that my buddies have killed. And, like, this motherfucker was, like, get out of here. It's funny because your, that- your, po- well, your podcast that you uh, told your story um, when you laid out your goals, you know, I don't remember exactly what they were. I'm like, Jesus, I just want to fucking see an elk. Because <laughs> up until 2017, 17. I'd never seen an elk. I'd never heard an elk bugle. So my goal was like way down here. <laughs> I'm like, I just want to see one and hear one bugle. 
Yeah. Those were my two two goals, and you're like, I'm, what were your three well, goals? Yeah. You want to hear them. one? Yeah, hear you one. You want to hear one, see one, and get, get an, an opportunity. opportunity. Oh, the opportunity. I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And yeah. So, I mean, we accomplished those three goals. Yeah, you I did. Mean, yeah. And it was, it was hard fought. I mean, we busted our ass, and, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's the thing. But I think that that's exactly, like, that's that's where it comes in is, like, that talking to you guys talking to tom sarah talk, talking to lance like you know that was that whole hike to hunt thing at the total archery challenge like all these people were on that all I these people sleeping <laughs> <laughs> i was sleeping but we the, were sleeping but the, these people were the people that were like well we're we're the people that are we're doers we're we're gonna do things and like literally it was simply like this is what you need to do. This is where you need to set your sights. This is how you need to approach this because anything less than that, you're not trying hard enough. And that's what happened. So it was like, this is how we need to approach it. And how do we do that? And so if you go out there blind and say like, well, I got this thing from Cabela's that you just blow in. If you have this <laughs> external mouth read, if you have no concept of what you're saying, uh, see previous podcasts, John versus me. Um, those, those are the things. So it's like, you can say, well, I just want to see an elk. Well, that, where we were, there was no fucking glassing up an elk. There was no, no chance. There was no possible way that I was. I could have got to the high. I mean, we got to the highest point. We sat at where the highest we were point at, in glass, and, <laughs> and, and we looked at a lot of pine trees. I mean, that's what we looked at. And there was one point I think when we were like at that wallow where yeah. we looked over across onto a burn and like where like some equipment had gone through and made some roads and stuff like that. But that was on a south facing slope and there were no meadows or anything like that. It was just like there was a burn and they were cleaning up like what had burned, but there was no like new growth. There was no anything. And so if you're listening to this and you are thinking, well, why does that matter? Then the University of Hulk Hunting or um, Paul Mandel, Paul, uh, Paul Mandel, Cody Rich, right? Like any of those podcasts oh. to look at elk behavior because during elk season, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. My watch records temperature and it was like in the 90s all the way into the truck saying that it was in the 20s. But I can tell you that John and I sat in the sun for a couple of hours. I had a pocket, a cargo pocket with gummy bears, and the gummy bears turned into one solid gummy. Like a one-pound gummy bear. And so I have no idea what the temperature was, but elk don't sweat, so they have no way to regulate their heat. So they're going to get out of the sun. The, the sun. They're gonna get out of the warm. They're gonna they're gonna go up to the highest, coolest 
darkest spot they can find. And yep. so if, if you don't understand that process and you're going to take an elk trip this year, then elk 101 is where you need to be. Backcountry Rookies has elk 101 coupon codes where you mm-hmm. can save some yep. money. They have coupon codes for a lot of different things. Like Backcountry Rookies is kind of like where I will steer you. Um, you know, we talked to Chad on our podcast and you can refer back to that one or just find him on sportsman's nation. Great dude. I mean, reach out to him. He'll, he'll help you out, but don't just think like, if you don't understand elk movements, then you need to, you need to understand it. You need yeah. to kind of There's enough information out there now compared to when I first started, even right. just a couple of years ago, that there, there's no reason not to educate yourself on how they talk, where they live, what you need to do, where you need to go. I mean, even if you were to start right now and you're going to go out in September, there's plenty of stuff to just dive into it right now. Right. Fast track you. Yeah. Well, I mean... Even what like, what's the drive to Montana? I right. mean, where are you going? Twenty four hours to Montana, or like thirty hours? I'm not kidding you. Like Adam and I were driving out, and I was I was Bluetoothing my phone, and I was playing the YouTube <laughs> video. I mean, but I was just listening to the sound of like Paul Mandel's freaking yep. seminars, and I mean, just over and over. Adam fell asleep. And I was like, I put my headphones in mm-hmm. and I was listening to it. I mean, it's just like, okay, I need to, we're going out here. I need to know everything I can, you know, on the way back, we can listen to the, the Navy SEAL book, you know, we're done. <laughs> but on the way out, I need to listen it's to some out. time, yeah. especially for us Easterners. Right. I mean, we don't have anybody to draw from other than ourselves and stuff that's out there. Right. Or other people. Who have and so been out there right. a million times? And so like, and that was one of the other things too. Is like, you know, we're when we were going through all the gear stuff. That was one of the biggest things that you know, like last year when we were going through our podcast and all the stuff that we're we're buying and you know going through. Uh, I bought the wrong boots. I when mean, I <laughs> was listening to your podcast, so I was actually on a plane. Um, or we were back from Texas for my cousin's wedding. And I, that's when I'm like, okay, this is my time to listen to that. I got to listen to their elk hunting story. And you were bitching about your boots. In my mind, I'm like, should have bought Krispies. Should have bought Krispies. You should have bought Krispies. And I you bought did. Krispies. Oh, you did? <laughs> yes. I what bought, were they? But I bought the Thors. Oh. oh. Were your feet so Thor you couldn't even walk? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, so what happened was... Um, and. And when we were at ATA this year, I went to the th- I went to the crispy, you know. Did booth, you Did you try on different ones? And I was like, "All right." Told them what was going on. They're like, "Twist your ankle, didn't you?" Or how many times you you turn your ankle? And I was like, "A lot." You know, like he's like, "Yeah, those uh-uh. for a Midwestern guy, no." guy that lives in the west and is used to that right yeah they're great boots but they you, don't have any ankle support so you need all the support that's what it was right. i'm like nope you should have bought it was it wasn't crispies but it was a different kind i'm like ah, yeah it was the wrong man. i bought the wrong boot for myself you know for the whole situation so and that was like what's funny is uh i listened to a podcast with uh 
working class bow hunter, Kurt Geyer, bought the exact same boots, had the exact same experience. <laughs> and I'm like, no fucking way. <laughs> I was like, man, we talked to oh, Crispy and they're like, if you're from the fuck Flatlander, like, don't buy the Thors. I went with the guides. Yeah. Those were those were stellar. So like the new ones, because I was trying to go with the lightest, like, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm a sweaty bastard. I mean, if you, yeah. My Look hats, at that Redworks hat right there. <laughs> no, th- my I hats. I smell it from here. My hats literally had like salt crystals growing off the top. So, yeah. I mean, Adam was laughing like, why are you bringing two hats? I'm like, I have a two hat system. I should have a three because like I'll get like 45 minutes up the trail. This hat will be completely soaked. And then I freaking take that one off and put the other. And I was like the one day, I mean, everybody's already heard this, but one day I forgot my freaking second hat and it was the end of the world. Yeah. Like a meltdown when a toddler doesn't have their blanket. And I forgot it. I forgot it at the truck. And now luckily Adam forgot his spoon and all that shit. I'm like, grab my other fucking hat. Cause I'm going to die. I'm not, I can't do four days with only one hat. Both of our feet actually sweat quite a bit. And we had zero problems in Montana for two. And that was two weeks, two full weeks. And that's the biggest thing too. I, I think that's the, biggest piece of gear you should oh have i mean God. that's most the last thing, thing and you should think take, about and it'll just take our word just on one brand uh, try yeah. on multiple brands because they're going to fit your feet different yep. right but that's what worked for us and i never wanted to take those damn things off i could have slept in them yep and see like now like i still i wear mine every week when we shoot i, I mean my wife hates them because they're the ugly orange stores. I, you that's know? why I hate wearing. Well, I hate wearing mine. I'm like, I really want to wear these to work today, but they're so fucking ugly. <laughs> and so, I mean, I wear them around. All, I mean, everywhere around yep. here now, and I love them. It's like walking on a cloud. But, yeah. but when, but it was at the end of the day when my legs were so fatigued, and you know everything. It just goes downhill at that point, and we were going downhill. So all of a sudden, fast. I, yeah, I was trying to keep up with freaking super athlete here. When like freaking, I'm like nature. Adam. I'm like, hey, I'll just see you back there. I know where I'm going. I, you know, I'm not sure what your hurry is, but oh, I'll get there. But did you end up getting different crispies for this year, or no, not yet? Like I talked to the they. Uh, they were supposed to be released. I can't remember what the the actual name of the new one was. It wasn't the Idaho's, was it? The G- no. Idaho GTX. What are their new no, ones? No. So the the they Idaho's look- are like the ones he should have gotten. Yeah. Right. That's what they said. But then the new ones that just came out, they're like these ones are built specifically for you. Right. And they look just like the Thors. Well, they're like they have like a gray, depending on which oh, one. Oh yeah, I've seen. But, I saw those. But they have. He's like feel them. They have all the ankle support that you need. Mm-hmm. Like right now, if you go and grab my Thors, they're like, you know, like a old worn out high top because <laughs> I've worn them so much. Well, but wizard that, sleeve. Right, the new one, <laughs> that new gray one, is nice and stiff. It's got all the ankle support that you need, and it'll it'll work for you. And I think I think the list or the retail price is like three forty nine, three fifty nine. I mean, it's still. We talk about it. that. Well, it's a lot of money, but get what you pay for. Well, but on the other side of that is like, so the guy that was um, helping us out, uh, he knows people at Kennetrack, 
And he's like, kind of Trek was my. I was going to mention that after. Yeah, and so he was like, he was like, you need to check out the Kenner tracks, and the Kenner tracks are like five or six hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. And it was like, man, but he's like, the Cabela's Mindles are a very, very good boot. So I bought the Mindle Hunter, and those boots, I should have bought the ones that were m- more upsized towards the Kenner track. Because they would have lasted longer. And if for anybody that's not familiar with either of those boots, and even the Crispy Idaho's, they have like a rubber like barrier yeah. like around the side of them, like a like a puncture resistant, like a rhino liner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Honestly, um, and the ones that I bought didn't have that. And I was telling um, the guy at the club this past week, like my boots. I didn't have one bit of problems with, except for they got destroyed. Mm. I mean, like as much stuff, deadfall, everything that we went over. I mean, my feet were fine. And I, you know, the hardest part, and I think when we get back into your story. If um, we get there. (laughs) We're we're, we're working towards it. um, Is trying to figure out that climate, right? So. Like I said, we were from 20 to 90, but we didn't have snow and it was just dependent upon elevation. So like when we were down in the river basin, that's when we were in the twenties. As we went higher, it's almost like counterintuitive, but when we were in that middle ground, that cold air did not settle down there. So we were like high thirties mid 40s so we never really got cold when we the further in the morning where that cold air settled in the bottom it was fucking cold Mm -hmm. cold yep and you know and the heat of the day in the sun is when we were in the 90s and 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 whatnot so to find a boot a set of clothing all that stuff that like (laughs) will will balance that so like I was like, well, I'll get the ones with like a little bit of thinsulate because like I want to, and my feet sweated like, like bad. But again, like my history, like with the Marines is like I had Gore-Tex boots all the time. Like I'm looking, you can look at these boots right here. They're Mm -hmm. destroyed. I don't tie my boots. I don't, because I want to let the heat out. I've got comfortable ankles. Like. (laughs) I don't give a fuck about like a my footwear, but I'm not your your typical guy. My boots were fine, everything was fine, but they got tore up. So if I would have went with a Mindel that mimicked the Kenetrek, mm-hmm. those would have been a perfect boot. And that's more towards if you listen to like the um, Solo Hunter podcast where they talk about boots like Remy and Tim go back and forth about more of a mountaineering style boot versus a hiker. Um, the Kenner tracks are more on the mountaineering side and the Crispies Thors that John had are more on the side of like a, a hiker. You want to be like in that middle ground or right. more towards a mountain boot, depending on your train. Unless you're a badass Western guy. I mean, yeah. my boots, I mean, like if said, you're I'm a badass st- Western guy, you're not learning about like Midwest. Kind of shoes. Like. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's what these are like. These, my, my Thors are like just a high top tennis shoe, mm-hmm. you know, just, you could run up. Matter of fact, like when we were going up the steep shit, Adam couldn't keep no. up. I mean, 
He was like, that the one time he couldn't keep up. No, no, <laughs> no. Like when John the, was going the, up, everything, everywhere John was going up, I was like, "Fuck it, I'll get there." Oh, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I was like, "Hey, you gonna? You all right? What's up?" A <laughs> couple times he had to, we had to take a little break, but no, that's because of my boots. They were light. No, they were for climbing like that. Yep. Tell you what, we put those crispies through hell. Oh, oh yeah. my god, yeah. some of the shit that we went through for two weeks, and they look like brand. Oh. New. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you were to put like my boots next to John's boots, my boots look like they're yep. 17 years old. Yeah. Like they are fucked. Like, yeah, mine still look. I mean, they were a little bit dirty, dirty from the freaking the ash. But yeah, you need to you need to invest in the kind of tracks or uh, different like the crispy Idaho's because you can put those through hell and they yeah. it doesn't so. matter. So as we get into your 2017 hunt so that still haunts me so <clears throat> so pat you decide like this uh hunting doing my thing life isn't just for me i can't just take an august and decide i'm gonna go anymore i need to get married and <laughs> yeah because uh, that's why you got married <laughs> and then i'm like oh shit i still want to go elk hunting so amber would you like to go elk hunting with me do you no it, go it's with more me? like jeff's gonna stay home so it's more like I we need... dated hey amber do you like elk hunting yeah okay let's get married and then go elk hunting <laughs> do we just become best friends yeah <laughs> so <laughs> much room for activities in this tent <laughs> wait a minute are you yeah. a good elk hunter yeah all right, let's get married. Yeah. <laughs> so, 2017 rolls around and you decide, okay, we're going to put in, you guys both get tags. and So, this is the point to where I went down the arrow rabbit hole. Um, a couple of friends of ours, Brent and Dave, um, they brought us on their arrow journey. And they taught me, us, a lot about arrow building um because it was unbelievable what we learned from from those guys for for what we wanted to do like talking like weight foc everything yeah what was perfect for our setup so not not to bang on bow shops there's some really good ones there's some mediocres and not so good ones but the really good ones, yeah, you can pick your your shaft off a chart based off of your draw length and the the poundage you're pulling. But they don't take into account, okay, how much is your insert weigh? How much is your broadhead? How much is that weigh? Okay, what kind of fletch are you putting on the back? Are you putting a wrap on there? Right. How much does all this stuff weigh? And you could pick off the chart, and if you're adding a bunch of weight – Oh, guess what? You just needed to spine down because you added all that weight to it. And then some of these people aren't even telling you that. So I was using arrows that weren't even right for me. And we didn't even, up until 2017, we never like paper tuned or bear shaft tuned. I mean, we had paper tuned at the shop, but as far as the bear shaft tune, we, we never did that. Right. So we started from scratch. And that was, I mean, we kind of learned a little bit about it. I didn't really build my arrows until 18. Um, so they were kind of telling us about the stuff. I'm like, oh, I already have arrows. I'll be good to go for this this go around. Um, 
You built arrows in 17. It was the winter of 17. Oh. <laughs> so. <clears throat> I stand corrected. <laughs> I guess as, as far as the gear part goes too, I mean, for the clothing, I knew what, what I was, what we were getting into. I mean, you wanted to wear stuff that was lightweight um, for the daytime because it's going to get hot in September. Right. It could be cool, but it's going to get I mean, well, the contrary though, it's like it doesn't matter if it's 20, 30 degrees. When you're hiking, you're going to sweat your ass off. So, regardless of the temperature, you need something that's going to breathe. Exactly. So, So we kind of we dug into that. Yeah. So, you're going to want to invested. We invested in some good gear. You want to get your layers. I mean, if right, layer it up. If you don't have the layers to where you can take it off or add whenever you need it, because I sweat like a mother. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm I do, horrible. I do so having just having multiple layers would have been nice. And I had a few at the time. Um, I we was were run- still building at that point. Yeah, I was running some first light stuff at the time, and I didn't have a lot of the the layers that they had because I didn't make tall sizes because I'm right. ginormous. So yeah, so we uh, now we had this this other area to hunt. Uh, this other piece of property we got access to private yep. property that year um we had bought some some backpacks some decent backpacks yep. from uh, sjk slumberjack and we didn't get the boots yet either but we had no. we had clothes pinned down with layers um a pack meat bags um stuff we we were pretty set up in 2017 in a two-man tent in a two-man tent <laughs> when a fucking snowstorm came through. So, yeah. n- not... I well, that's mean, better than being in a two-man tent with me and freaking Adam. I, <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> After the first few days. Yeah. Yeah, I love so. him. Yeah. Body heat, I guess. You get yeah. that part of it. Right. Yeah. Um, that so, was our, like our first... Well, that was my first really real year elk hunting, but that's when we got into elk heavy and the first day we got out there oh my God. the first the first day on this property we get out there mind you i'd never seen an elk or heard an elk bugle we drove all night got there at 2 or two thirty in the afternoon property owners are just showing us property We're like all right sweet it's like three o'clock setting up the tent here bugle like a few hundred yards away i'm like this is awesome okay so <laughs> so real quick so what time of year okay. you, did you plan your hunts even through, was, through yeah. all of these? Because John and I were out there like first week. You were well, early. The, the day after the opener, yeah. two days after the yep. opener. Yeah. Two so. days. So my first year, it was just obviously on a whim. My buddy already had the two weeks he wanted to go. I'm like, okay, we're going these two weeks. And we went. The last two weeks in September. No wife. Yeah, two weeks. I'm going. Yeah. Oh, we still go two weeks I'm, with a wife. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, for for everyone else who doesn't have a wife, maybe that hunts the or like whatever, like or normal. Or the normal. The I normal. Say. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like the the 18th through the 31st of September okay. was when we were out there. The second year, my buddy wanted to change it up. He's like, let's go a little bit earlier because. That first year, we hit a little bit of the rut, um, but we felt like we missed some of it. So we went, like, it was the 8th or 9th for to, like, the 
24th, 25th, um, whatever two weeks is, 23rd. Um, and it was so bloody hot the those first couple weeks of September. And then it finally cooled off and we hit a little bit at the end. And we're like, okay. So after I had kind of seen that the year that we went for our third year, um, and this was kind of after getting into the elk nut app too. So and the, start, the equinox and the full moon yep, right. and start getting into that. Yeah. So we're like, okay, let's do because it's seven days plus or minus the equinox. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're like, all right, we're gonna do the fifteenth through exactly <laughs> the twenty eighth. Yep. So it was like the twenty second or some. Yeah, it was they, actually a perfect storm oh, in yeah. twenty seventeen. But like, so what's funny is like your guys' experience with, because I think um, when we talked to Greg Litzinger, I think he was in Montana, and they got snowed off the mountain. Ooh, yeah, 2017 was a bad year. (laughs) We, because we ended up in Livingston for two nights in a hotel, got snowed off the mountain. We ran into other hunters at that same hotel. They got snowed off the mountain. It was, that was a bad year. Yeah. Not bad year, but just a very weird, weird year. But, I mean, just being there that first day and hearing a bugle, it's like, okay. They were lit up all night. We couldn't sleep. But it's like trying to... sleep. So, for for John and I, like, the thing was, like, locating elk. And, like, that's that's the main thing. And that's one thing I want to go into, you know, at some point or or maybe even right now. Because from your guys' experience, like, when we talked to Cody Rich, he's like, I think people take too long to find the elk Mm -hmm. and i think you know it's hard to like balance because like our experiences are so different in the sense of like we both had a starting point but your starting point was like a private starting point so they were like okay well there's elk here and then like coming in and saying okay well boom you're hearing elk from the first but they left for like four days. Yeah, four and and days. so like they were that. Gone. So what do you do in that like transition period? Because like we <laughs> walked on with this whole thought process, and you know we talked to Cody Rich and saying, okay, well, there's elk tracks everywhere, and I'm I'm certain that elk walked past us while we were sleeping because there weren't elk tracks there, and then there's elk tracks there, and we were on just over this you know, the side of this hill. And it's like, they had to have gone past us. We didn't see him. We didn't see him in the morning. We didn't, you know, we couldn't close that distance, but how do you deviate from that plan or where, you know, even that your, your elk took four days to come back. And the guy that was helping us out, he said that he believes that elk move in three day cycles. Yep. Like they go over here for three days and they come back for three days and then three days they go over here and, or it and takes for, three days to yeah, make or, the yeah, cycle. Yeah. yeah. For, for your four day thing that, that mm-hmm. pretty much falls right in there. So like, how do you adjust or like, did you adjust or year four when it happened, did you adjust or were you just in the right spot at the right time? Well, I, I feel like we didn't really, we just kept, hoping that we were going to hear elk at some point. So we didn't really 
hike and search. Well, we went for a walk. We went for a walk. We went. We went for we some, a couple of good walks, but I mean, we we could have went further, but we didn't. So we were just. There's so much snow. There's snow, and the terrain once you get up on the federal land is just fucking stupid. So we kind of called it there, and we, we were just hoping that they were going to come back. So there's so much snow up point. high too. It's like. It's pointless to keep going higher because they're they're not going to be they're high gonna be up there. when there's that much snow up there. So, so with that, like with the snow, like what does that do for morale? And like, how do you guys deal with that? Because, <laughs> like, again, like from a military background and like from a leadership standpoint, it's like morale is like the one thing. Like, so when like when I, we were nobody marines and we had like our leadership or like whatever we kept ourselves like happy contained like whatever like we went to livingston and we drank for two days <laughs> <laughs> and ate cheeseburgers and, and steaks it's tough we to, did that one day to Why? be honest we we didn't i mean we got down obviously but in my mind, still just being out there and reminding yourself that, okay, I'm not at work. I'm out in Montana elk hunting with my husband for two weeks, no matter what the circumstances are. This is awesome. Like, just fucking awesome. I don't give a shit if the elk left for three, four, five days. I'm still hiking in this beautiful country. So that's kind of what kept me going. Um Sometimes. <laughs> you could see them three ranches over. There was oh, like yeah. 200 head. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, was oh, like, we can't hunt I mean, that property. Kind of like what I had thought about too is like, and mentioned it, it's like, I mentioned it to my wife, like, there's people that go out there just to do the hike. Mm-hmm. And not, I mean. Not even and, hunt. And not even hunt. So, like, we're out there hiking this country and just enjoying this, you know, natural beauty it's an expensive hike but, but it's beautiful it is, still. <laughs> it is. but like uh, but to, i mean just to experience that yeah I mean, yeah but to be honest with you like i would have to say like at the like lowest point like the lowest point that we had was like john and i like mm, a mile and a half from our camp at this absolutely beautiful like sunrise basin and like john's like this is fucking stupid this sucks like this is like miserable like i don't know if i can do it like and i'm like fuck you know i i don't i don't know how to motivate you like Mm -hmm. whatever and then we go up here a bugle blow out a herd of elk and then that was a day that everything like fucking went like ballistic roller coaster and it, <laughs> well i mean that was at the point it, where but the the point that we were sitting at was the most beautiful point yeah. every single day it was like oh my god just standing here yep. right is like if you're taking it all in well that like, was like the motivator like that morning was i mean i'm gonna admit that it was like one of the tough i did not want to get up at five o'clock or four whatever it was yeah. i mean and walk two hours literally i mean two hours mm-hmm. up 
the fucking mountain. Straight up. When the day before, what happened was we had switched. We like left the area, went to another spot, and it was like full sun, hot as fuck, <sighs> and we seen awesome whitetail sign. <laughs> But there was no elk. And it was, everything was straight the fuck up. And we were going up this gnarly shit and then back down. And then up and back down. And then it was the, what do they call it? The fucking bear grass or I can't remember that. It's like. Super crunchy stuff? It looks like, it looks like dune grass almost, but it's like slippery shit. Mm. And at, at that point, like we're coming back down and. We were going over deadfalls and stuff, and I step over this log, and it's a long drop, and I hit, like, some of that, and my freaking knee just, like, boop. At that point, I told him, like, dude, I'm not sure if I can make it now. I mean, we ended up making it back to the truck, and we took off our fucking boots and sat in the creek for a while. John lost a couple arrows shooting at grouse. Yeah, that was (laughs) before that but (laughs) but then you know i'm like i told him like man i don't i don't want to be the freaking the one to wreck this trip but i don't know if i'm going to be able to make it much more i mean at that point hiking five miles we had we still had if we would have left at that point we would have drove up and still had two miles to hike just to our freaking tents Mm. you know and so i freaking broke out the knee brace and you know we ended up hiking back up that that section and and hunting that night which was like another two miles up the hill and then back and then driving back to camp you know to the road and then hiking two miles after dark to our camps you know and so that and then get up at 4 30 and that that was the night that the wind started blowing Oh, oh, with the trees falling? Yeah, two oh. of the fucking trees. All of a sudden, I mean, and we had set up. It's like my my tent, you know, I had my, uh, the freaking fly and everything was, I was kind of point uphill. Well, that wind, that draft just started coming downhill and all of a sudden it like picked up and that's what kind of like woke me up. And all of a sudden, I mean, I got two in the morning, got yeah. freaking cold. I'm like, and it just, and it sounds like a freight train coming up there. It's like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, and then it's just like, you can hear these trees start falling. Like Adam, mm-hmm. I said, you're in that. He's like, yep. He's <laughs> like, gotta go. He's like, I think we're all right. I'm like, yeah, we, you know, there was nothing above us. There was no. You know, standing dead timber. It was all across the trail where we had freaking hung our food and all. I mean, like right across from where we were at. And it's just like, and it's it just makes you feel so freaking small. Small. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so we were dealing with that. And then, you know, get up and it's just trying to deal with my knee. My freaking ankles are killing me. Oh, I had a couple, couple breakdowns. The first year together. Last year, not so much, but oh, yeah. But I yeah, think it wears on you. When yeah. we sat there at that, that one little spot and watched the sunrise, and I was eating my, I had my crushed 
pop tart. And it was like, and I put some Justin's peanut butter on it, made a little sandwich out of the the two smashed pop tarts. And you know, like, all right, I can, I can make my way up a little bit farther, but I'm not walking as fast as you, motherfucker. (laughs) You know, but and then we started. Here now, then we seen a whole fucking, we blew a herd off the fucking mountain, which it sounded like a freight train leaving. Dude, we heard, so we were glassing not far from our camp, and it was, what is that, probably six or seven hundred yards to that other ridge. That was the first night, too. We, uh, well, last, I'm talking about last year. Oh. And we're glassing, I'm like, what the fuck is that sound? I'm thinking there's some four-wheeler or truck coming up the neighbor's property. Like, Jesus, is there somebody logging? You know, I don't know. All of a sudden, this herd just crests this ridge like six, seven hundred yards away. I'm not shitting you. Probably a hundred elk just kept coming, coming, coming. But yeah, it was like a freight train. Sounds like a freight train. Yeah, Yeah. it's crazy. I mean, they're just, I'm like. I don't know how they can freaking walk the next day because it's like they're just busting trees and shit. Just <laughs> like I bang my shin and I want to cry, you know. Yeah. They're just they're just like kicking that shit. Fuck this! All right, <laughs> you pussy. <laughs> so back to your 2017 trip. So you go back and you have some beers and shots and steaks and burgers and whatever shower and then so we had a similar situation like somebody i'm not gonna name any names forgot his food and we I had to go back and get my it food <laughs> you left it on purpose yeah um so so then we have to go back and then now it's like back into the fray right like that Nice night sleep was really great. Yeah. That warm meal was great. Like everything was, you oh, know, when we dried, energizing. When right. we dried out our tent, because that was the year of the two person tent, too. Yeah. Dried that out and we fucking like 20 degrees sleeping in the next few nights. I'm like, it was even colder than that. It was down in the teens, low teens sleeping in there. Stupid. <laughs> because when we went back, when we were in town for those couple days, we're like, so we only had like 20 degree sleeping bags. We're like, all right, we're getting zero degree sleeping bags. So we bought new sleeping bags yeah. just because it was freaking cold. But I mean, it, yeah, it, it energized us. Energized we, us. And then it um, it warmed up. The weather got nicer yep. the next few days during the day, at least. No snow, no that nothing. That flipped a switch. That flipped a switch on the elk and they lit up. They, like, came, and they came back. They came back. They lit up. They That was sleepless nights because of bugling elk. <laughs> and I'm not complaining. <laughs> but yeah, it was the... So we were planning on leaving on a, that Saturday morning. And this was like Thursday morning? Yes, Thursday. Thursday yep. morning that we glassed them, you know, came up with a game plan circled around got where we're supposed to mind you this is like a four-hour deal but condensed version um you were doing a calling sequence for a while didn't really they were um in bed didn't mm-hmm. you know not much response and like an hour later called again and something flipped a switch in one of the bulls and he just went fucking nuts so it's like a cow called and he bugled i'm like all right it- i'm an excited cow call to him 
So we, I, I'm Kyle Cullen. We're walking through the grass, just busting. And we're we're running, and we're on the property line because we had permission <laughs> from the neighbors, which was their cousin, actually. And we jumped the fence, and we had to set up like right away because he was coming. I mean, he was bugling, and at that point, he was what probably a hundred yards. Yeah, and we couldn't go any further because it was just it was thick all timber it was and all thick. So set up. He was behind me couldn't see each other he's calling they got in this pissing contest and it was one of the best things i've ever heard <laughs> so i heard him coming the bull coming mind you i'd never seen an elk this close ever before and coming through and i'm like okay if he comes here it's 20 yards if he goes here it's kind of a frontal but it's like 20 yards so i see his tines coming i'm like all right i draw back because there was a tree, and he had to come in front of the tree. And he stopped just with his head. So I see this fucking big rack in this head, and he bugles at 20 yards. I'm not shitting you 20 yards away. Like, I, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to watch him bugle. <laughs> so I'm drawn back, and he finally steps out. Well, in, in Montana, and I'm sure elsewhere, there's this oak brush that's, like, chest high that I thought would be short enough, you know, I could hit his vitals. He steps out. I'm like, oh, shit, that covered all his vitals. And I'm like, oh, I can sneak it through. You know, heat of the moment, been drawn back for however long, and he's kind of booking it. So I let it go, hit that, deflected over his back at 20 yards. I'm like, I just missed a fucking monster 5 by 5 at 20 yards. So then... So he he ran off, and then Pat stopped him, and I'm like, oh, he was at like 60 yards for me. I'm like, and he was behind a tree. I'm like, knock an arrow, knock an arrow. So I knocked an arrow, and I started running, because I'm like, I'll get like a 30 or 40 yard shot, because he can't see me. So I'm running, and I hear, like, oh, and then I hear it hit hard. I'm like, Pat just shot that fucking bull. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> when I heard her shoot, I heard him run down the hill and we were in like spotty, like sparse pine. And I sat there, I cow called a couple more times. He walked out broadside, 60 yards in the sun. Okay. I figured he was dead because I figured she killed him for how close he was bugling. He didn't know I failed miserably. So I drew back. I put my pin on him, stopped, touched off. I should have taken more time thinking that he wasn't dead because when I hit him, I hit him high. I was good front to back, but I hit him too high. And when he wheeled to go down the hill, I could see I, I finally saw the arrow. I hit him high. And then when she came over and told me she missed, I'm like, <laughs> that makes my shot a little bit more I'm important. Like, oh my gosh, you shot him. That's awesome. He's like, well, you killed him. I'm like, no, I missed. He's like, oh, just total shock so we're like what just happened and then i just cried and cried and cried and cried (laughs) so we we waited a couple hours went and got the property owner and we went back and we looked for probably two hours that night and then went back out the next morning and probably looked for another five or six hours found Um, the arrow part of the arrow the broadhead broke off inside of him which sucked Found tiny, tiny specks of blood span out probably, what, 150, 200 yards. Yeah. 
And so we looked that whole next day and nothing. So. And what were you shooting for an arrow setup at that point? So I had, uh, I was shooting the VAP. I think it was a 350 spine with a G5, G5 Montech yeah. um, with blazer veins. So I think my total weight was only like low to mid 400s, um, if that. So out of all the years bow hunting and the few animals that I had killed up to that point, that was the first thing I'd ever lost in my entire life. So that was Thursday and we decided like, well, we, cause that night, the next night or the next morning we blew up the mountain. Yeah, I mean, there's elk everywhere, right. but everything's gone. And I'm like, fuck it. Let's just leave Friday. So we left a day, a day early, but that was a brutal huh. 22 hour drive back. You think about that. You see that hit. Every single time you close your eyes. I see that miss still every single time I close my eyes. So that motivated us for 18. Yeah. And so then, again, for for the listener, for the timetable, for, for everything, is like enter stage left, John and Adam, like, and Amber and Pat are like, don't do this. Do this. You need the elk. No, you need to look and figure all this stuff out. And yeah. then, you know, so that three years worth of information is like what was funneled into us. Right. Mm-hmm. And for us, you know, it, it's funny to me. And it's it's not funny because, like I say, like on some level, I think. You know, we should have set our sights higher because we met all of our goals. And then you listening to the podcast says, these fuckers aren't going to fucking, you know. see shit. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I feel like we outpunted our coverage. You know what I mean? I I mean, we, I mean, honestly, we put, we knew we were in a time crunch when we started really Digging from, into it. From day one, we knew, like, we, from our preparation standpoint, was like, we only have this. We've got a finite amount of time. It was like so. the smoke in the bandit. We, we've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. <laughs> so, you know, we we put the hammer down. And, I mean, we, I mean, there's the paper map still right here in the corner that we had. And we're going over. Then we're doing Onyx and, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, the Elk Nut and Elk Yeah, I mean, you know what to expect now. Right. And, you know, we we're, my game, you know, Phelps tube is sitting there. I just finally put my diaphragms away in my Bronx box over there this, <laughs> this afternoon. I was cleaning up this shithole before you guys got here. But, you know, mm-hmm. we put a lot of time and effort into it. I mean, and so like when we were looking at the maps and, you know, looking at saddles, I mean, that was one of the biggest things too, is like the e-scouting that you guys are talking about. Yep. You know, for, for people that are looking into it, it is intimidating as fuck. Mm -hmm. When you start looking at like, okay, Google maps and you're like, 
Uh, what the f- where do I, I start? I think you hit like the scroll button, and all of a sudden you're like flying like five counties. You're like, <laughs> no, go back. <laughs> no. So you got to zoom out, whatever, look in, and you know, look at those contour lines, find the saddles, find the high spots, find, and then, and then look at the, the burns, you know, like with, with the, uh, the onyx. Mm-hmm. You know, you can find, you can turn on the burns. And it'll show you, like, the years and all that. I mean, there's so much information out there. Yep. So, I mean, for my advice for anyone would be, it. I mean, it's going to cost you some money. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the Elkna app was probably one of the cheapest. I think, what was that, ten ninety nine? Yeah. You know, I would have yeah, paid 100 he, bucks for that. Exactly. He upped it. <laughs> Didn't you only pay, like, 6 bucks? Yeah. 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 It's like I mean, $10.99, I think. Yeah, yeah. ten ninety nine. I mean, that's the best 1099 you'll ever, because yeah. you can download it. And I was showing that to Joe and those guys at the freaking club there. And I'm like, look at this. I was showing it to the guy in the pharmacy. Yeah, like, was, right, we were doing look, location bugle. Like, <laughs> location bugle. You got, this is what it, he does. This is what, this is an actual elk bugle. And then it has like the four tips, like what happens. How do you respond? Yeah, yeah. You hear it. What, how do you respond? What does it mean? Blah, blah, blah. This priceless it's it's priceless I mean, yeah you cannot put a, a value on that no you know and then like with with cory jake's elk 101 the university of elk i mean there's i still haven't got through all of that shit mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean there i mean and that was like a hundred bucks 99.99 then you go and you can find backcountry rookies 20% off, yeah, 20% off yep. so you get it for 79.99 whatever it is awesome i yep. mean the that like that's worth more than some gear mm-hmm. i mean yep because you're gonna go out there you could have the best gear you, you could look great and not see an elk <laughs> you know or not know what the hell elk say. Elk exactly yeah like man i look good my not pic- seeing no elk. <laughs> my pictures look awesome <laughs> right look at this i'm, 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 yeah. I'm selfie <laughs> selfie on the mountain i'm elk hunting that's like my <laughs> That's a whole other story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm the Kim Kardashian of Elk Hunting. Oh, oh, wait. No. Did I actually say that well, word? I could name drop some but, other but, but here's the thing. We're, I'm gonna, we're going to go right into that. I was like, you could have the biggest, baddest exo pack, and you could have John Deere take that bitch off the mountain. So let's go right into 2018. Oh, that was good. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> It took me a second, but then I then I got uh, it real quick. Just make it really quick. For 2018, so, like was the year. I mean, the Uper goes out west. You know, after only archery hunting for how many years? 14. At that point, fourteen. Thir- thirteen. Half of my life. That was my fourteenth. Yeah. So, <laughs> so in your fourteenth year of elk hunting, or Archery hunting. Archery, archery hunting. hunting. Yeah. Yeah. So your fourteenth year of archery hunting, like half of mine and a third of John's archery career, um, you kill your first elk after the highs and lows of twenty seventeen. Um let's go through that story and then take the I guess the the look back and say from year one to year four, what changed dram- that dramatically to to close that distance? Because the distance, 
realistically, I mean, in, in, as John and I saw in our first year, is everybody says it only takes five seconds or ten seconds for everything to change. Mm-hmm. But in that moment when you're staring into the sunrise going like, I don't know if I can fucking do it or Fuck my life. <laughs> or I just or I just missed and you're crying or I should have taken more time with that shot. The difference between those times and that perfect shot and everybody says it, it doesn't matter if it's born and raised Cody Rich Hushin like I'm sure Paul Medell Corey Jacobson it's it only takes 30 seconds for you to go from zero to hero mm-hmm. and and so you know let's go through your your hunt in 2018 after you giving us all of your sage advice from your first three years to get implementing done. it all right <clears throat> so yeah i guess this time too was 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 the arrow the arrow rabbit hole um actually built my own set of arrows um use that archer's advantage computer program pretty much was using that to kind of get me close to what i wanted even though it wasn't going to be 100 percent correct but it got me the ballpark so I, I knew where i wanted to be for spine just based on my bow setup i knew how much weight i wanted to put out front with an insert i knew how much weight i wanted to shoot with my broadhead that let me at least pick the correct spine for what i should be shooting so at that point once i kind of figured that out which being a longer draw really being a longer draw really limits you as far as spine because not really well to get a stiffer spine to be able to kind of tune it a little bit easier Anyway, back into the elk hunting story. 30 inch draw is pretty tough. (laughs) Right. I mean, compared to a shorter draw, you can can get a short arrow and get a super stiff spine if you want to. So anyway, finally built an arrow. Um, I'm up to 583 grains for 18. So we go out there this year or that year. um, We had a wall tent set up, which was kind of nice, and had cots in there pretty freaking sweet you can actually move around um we were in elk right away again kind of just like the year before so what were the dates same dates or so the year before um we were the in 2018 we were we left like on the 21st so what's 21 minus 14 we we went the 7th so we went (laughs) Another week earlier compared to the year before. Yep. So to the twenty first. It was hot that first week, um, but we were around elk, and I had a chance at a cow like we, our second day. We we both had chances, multiple chances. I mean, we kind of lost track of encounters the first ten days or whatever, which is kind of nice. And that was the other thing too, like. My expectations the first year were, holy shit, there's eight bulls on this property. I'm going to wait and shoot a bull. I could have shot a cow, a spike, or a bull my first two years where I was hunting. After my first year, it was like, I'm going to shoot anything I can get a freaking chance at shooting. I don't care what it is. So 
where we were now, you couldn't shoot a spike, but you could shoot a cow. So it was a cow or a branch antler uh, brow time bull. So, yeah, we're around these elk. And, uh, geez, yeah, we had multiple chances, um, I guess, to get to the meat of the thing. The day before I shot my bull was her birthday. 30th birthday. <laughs> so. I wanted a 30th birthday elk like no other. I tried my butt off to try and call in a bull for her. And, and that was one of the best, you guys probably heard, that one of the best elk hunting days we'd ever had was like we left bugling bulls on the mountain that night. I think I even posted yep. a couple of videos of me calling for her. It was horrible and awesome at the same time so Just screaming matches yeah we wake up the next morning and i'm like eh. at that point i'm like you know i only have a few days left whatever it was cold it was a bitch hiking up that morning i ran into a fence because it was so damn dark yeah and- <laughs> so we just had a shit show of a morning but literally we ended up waiting on that herd for what like an hour after some some stomach issues. Uh, yeah. I thought that's what you were talking about with the shit show. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, we heard we heard one elk above us, um, and then there were elk below us moving their way up. So, we were just kind of sitting there, and at this point, we're like, okay, let's see where they're moving. Um, there was a two-track that cut through the dark timber. We wanted to go in that two-track. But there was literally a bull bugling on this two track. There's elk here, elk here, elk here, and elk there. I mean, we couldn't do anything. So we wanted we wanted to go after this one bull, but then there's there's more elk still coming up from And below. we could we could hear him at this point. So I kinda set up there's like a little pretty much twenty yard by twenty yard pocket. He's like fifteen yards away from me, set up on a big field. So I'm like, Okay, elk come here, I can see him but they're in the timber, you know, I can't do anything about it. I've got them. Then if they go in the field, he's got them. Um, I'm watching this bull, and I'm like, holy shit, he's walking out in front of Pat. Like, he's, he's going to give him a 30-yard shot. Like, I, I mean, my heart just started absolutely racing. And I look over to Pat, and I see him do this. I'm like, oh, my God, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening and he kind of pulls up i'm like fucking draw back i'm thinking you know just fucking draw back i couldn't see the bull at this point i couldn't see anything i knew he was in the field yeah and he drew back and i'm like oh my god it's happening it is actually happening and this was without without even calling we didn't so we've been calling our asses off for at this point what was it like 10 days yeah. Calling, calling, calling. And the one morning we do not call, do not make a peep. And we're just surrounded. Totally surrounded. So this bull comes out. He's broadside. <clears throat> and I had I had already ranged everything as far as I could shoot. And it was like thirty five yards down below me and further just off to the right. And I had my, my single pin set at thirty five yards. Probably 10 minutes before he came in, I'm like, I'm going to change it to 40 just to be safe. So I did. Turn my dial to 40. He came in and stopped 35 yards. I'm like, okay, 
I just need to aim a little bit lower. I take my time. He doesn't even know we're there. Draw back. Settle my pin. Wait. Touch it off. And then smack. But I spined him. So he, he drops right there. And he's kind of rearing up. And she and, looks and over I, at me. Well, I could kind of half-ass see the bull. And I knew it was a hard hit. I'm like, whatever. It was a chip shot. He totally smoked him. And I'm thinking, I'm like, he wouldn't just drop right there. But I looked over to Pat. I'm like, shh, you know, there's other, there's other elk. Let's let's get me one. Just leave him alone, and let's <laughs> let's try to hunt and get me an elk. And he looked over. He's like, I spined him. I'm like, the fuck, are you standing here for? Go shoot him again. <clears throat> so that- so we run down, and uh, yeah, he, you know, anybody who's spined a deer elk, it's it's I hate it absolutely hate it yeah it sucked I and mean, luckily with my next shot double, double lunged him and he died fairly quick yeah and uh then after you know we're sitting there kind of taking in the moment they started crying they started crying <laughs> this bull bugles the like bull did you did, I did. Crying. we both did <laughs> so <laughs> let's but real quick let, let's talk about that so like so i I, I honestly I I couldn't like put into like a feeling or like whatever because you know John's all beat the fuck from calling in that that bull and I'm beat up from jumping over all this stuff and like the emotion that just happens in in that moment like uh, I mean you guys heard like our wives. Like they do exist, they met them um, <laughs> <laughs> for a minute. Are, are making fun of us for our little video that we posted about? Like oh, we yeah. had uh, a post a video that you know we're all sweaty and gross and like whatever, and we're the whispering. And it's like we said we wanted to see an elk or hear an elk, see an elk, and get an opportunity, and everything happened all at once. And like we were like just so elated. Just from that, you know, little and, spike, right? <laughs> and so, like, like two days later, like when everything goes absolutely as planned, and we just couldn't like make it happen. Like John's like that made the trip. It's like everything that amount of emotion multiply just, it by a hundred, you know. <laughs> and that's and that's the thing. And like I couldn't imagine like. I was, I, was tr- I was trying to think about that. Like, so my wife, John's wife doesn't hunt. She doesn't, but it's like the furthest thing from her mind. <laughs> my wa- red meat. My wife will kill turkeys. She's like, I'll shoot a turkey in the face. No problem. <laughs> like, give me a breakfast pizza and a, a 20 shotgun. gauge and I'm in. <laughs> but... Get like, some uh, good food and some naps <laughs> is what she was talking about. <laughs> and, like, and and that's the deal. And, you know, she she shot a turkey and with her dad, and that's an awesome experience. I mean, I mean, if you guys get a chance to hunt with Frank, like, it's a great experience. It's, 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 it's fun. But it's entertaining. <laughs> I was in the position, like, where I shot a turkey with my wife because it was like, she could either shoot me in the face and the turkey or I could shoot the turkey. And we had this conversation of like, are you going to shoot it? Am I going to shoot it? And like now, like 
again, preparing for this podcast was like, should I have let it just like move away so that Sheedy wasn't going to shoot me and just could shoot the turkey or like, cause I was like, are you going to shoot it? And she's like, I can't, I'm going to shoot you. And I'm like, you sure you're not going to shoot it? <laughs> and she's like, no, you shoot it. <laughs> Laced it, you know, but sharing that experience, like with my wife mm-hmm. and, you know, and uncle Frank, you know, was like a, a real, real experience and so to be absent of the actual world and have to deal with you know this spining of an animal which is like you said your worst fear outside of like wounding one and like saying like oh is it gonna live is it not going to live but you're watching it like on its you know it's the worst thing and like then you go up there and you put it out of its misery and then it's the realization of like this is everything that we this is the culmination of like what has happened so that four years is all you know shared between a husband and wife and the whole thing so one of the the, one of the first things i remember we kind of knelt down and i looked over at the bull and i'm like he is he is not moving. He is dead. That is our elk that is going to be in the freezer for the next year. I'm like, is he really dead? Is he going to get up and move? <laughs> I'm like, nope, nope. He's not moving. So it was just just to see. We were, I mean, what, 30 yards away? 20, 20 30 yeah. yards away. Yeah. And just to, just to see him laying there, we, we hadn't even walked up to him yet. It, it Just to crazy it, it's hard to explain between the the years of preparing starting from year one hunting two weeks at a at a time each year the amount of t- the amount of preparation after year one knowing what i needed to do that you put in that she needed to do between all of that um being with her and and hunting with her i mean both my grandfathers hunted and but they never got to hunt out west and they've they've passed away for for a while now but just knowing that they they could see that part of it too and everything together was just like a damn burst yeah and it's just like holy crap <laughs> but then we we heard a bull bugle like 70 80, yards away 80 70 80 yards away before we had even walked up to his elk, I'm like, you get your like, fucking reed and you call in that bull for me. <laughs> taking my reed and I'm shaking, trying to put my reed in my mouth. And <laughs> So we literally had to walk by his bull as we're pursuing this other one. And he's he's looking, I'm like, come on, you stay right here. You leave that bull alone. I'm like, you come with me and you try to kill this bull or help me kill this bull. <laughs> we dicked around for like an hour and busted him and it never never played out but so the john deere the lucky part of john deere spining this bull and having him drop in this field was where he dropped we were able to get a tractor in because he was at the end of a logging road if he had put a perfect shot on him more than likely he would have ran 40 yeah. 50 60 100 yards who knows oh, for sure but we could not have gotten that tractor 
any further than where that bull dropped. <laughs> and we, we were we were prepared and oh, in the yeah. total mindset to quarter something out and pack it out. But I'm not gonna complain about a little easy action of getting Mr. Green in there and <laughs> gutting him and hauling him and throwing him in the back of a truck and taking him to town. No, yeah. that wasn't bad. No shit. That wasn't bad. So um on on that note two things, right? So we had talked about prior to the podcast about the cost of like mm. actually harvesting an elk. But before we get into that <laughs> I priced it out per pound. <laughs> but, but before um before we get into that, like that whole process of like year one to year four success etc like what do you think was the main ingredient that like maybe either kept germinating perseverance one two three <laughs> well but I, I mean so this is the this is the hard part about perseverance because they say you know if you listen to the working class bow hunter right they say you can't trip into a 150. Well, I really want to talk to Kurt about the differences, but you could argue I tripped into a 150. Like, there's always going to be the one kid that goes out there on their first experience and has a successful mm-hmm. hunt. You're always going to – there's there's always going to be that anomaly or, like, whatever – and then do they have that same like come to Jesus moment that you guys had and that we strive for, I guess, that this is what it takes. This is everything. It all came together like, oh, my God. So what is the difference? Because you could just walk out there and shoot one from the vestibule of your tent if you're in the right spot at the right time. Does it mean the same? Does it does it resonate the same way? So what's the difference from year one to year four? I mean, and I mean, Pat, I got to say it from all signs, it points to Amber at this point because it's like you got an arrow in one and then, you know, then you kill one. So I just, I mean, I, I want you to just like refute that or like tell me what's really happening here because... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing was perseverance. I mean, perseverance and knowledge. The more knowledge I learned and the more perseverance that, especially after that first year, seeing elk. Seeing elk was, was huge. I mean, that that kind of lit the fire. I'm like, I want to know as much as I can about these animals. Well, yeah, because if you if you went into year four with the same mindset as year one, it it would have been a a, a bust yeah. unless there was that anomaly where you had a bull walk up at twenty yards, you know, right outside your camp. If you have the passion to, and you're a first timer, and you want to go out west, put the time in. Do do the time to train. 
do the time to do the research, to gain the knowledge. It's only going to better yourself. It's going to make the hunt more, um, not memorable, but worthwhile. And by doing that, if you fail, which you could, I mean, there's some people who have gone seven, eight years without getting their uh, an elk with, with their bow, but at least you busted your butt to do it. If you busted your butt, got one the first year, great. I mean, you did it. You didn't just, oh, hey, I'm just going to go out there, drive, stop, pick a spot, not do anything, just walk around and shoot something. Um, I think you'll get more out of it by doing your homework getting the knowledge, get everything that you can get. And if you're a hunter, most of these people are doing this already for whatever game that they're going after. So just doing that. Yeah, I don't think there's really one main ingredient that helped year four be a successful hunt. It's it's just the heart. You got to have the heart for it. Because there's, there's people, actually, the... The guy that I went with my first year, he hated it. Even though we didn't see anything, didn't hear anything, I still want to go out the second year. I still want to go back and keep going. So it's, I think it just kind of depends on who you are too. So before we get into cost, that's one of the things that I really wanted to talk about just real quick was that desire to kill i guess i mean i i wouldn't say the desire to kill it's it's the experience no but i i mean i don't i just hate that like phrase because it's like you know the desire to put meat in your freezer yeah (laughs) but so the the difference and the annotation that i mean is that like so John and I had a tremendous desire in an area with a finite amount of elk. Okay. And so you said from your experience, like, eh, good luck. The area that you guys were hunting was rich with elk. And in the time frame, the elk were more vocal. There were more elk. You had more, way more encounters than we did. Um, year one through four so how do you like gauge that with encounters because taking four years in an area with like a ton of elk for a guy that's going out to say even a guided hunt or a ranch or a private land or whatever uh someone that has access to a place that where there's going to be elk to say percentages or is it a sure thing or you you know what I mean? Like without saying like, okay, so born and raised, they go out there and they say, well, we just wander around until we find one that wants to play. Well, they kind of have like an unlimited time frame. Mm -hmm. So for our truncated time frame, you know, elk everywhere to elk in one spot like for for john and i and it's not to say that like what we did was spectacular um 
it's just simply saying like, you know, if there's elk there, it doesn't mean that it's a sure thing. If you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's sure. the thing. It's like, you're still hunting. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so in an area where there's elk and you can see them or you can hunt them or like whatever, like, how do you tell a guy maybe that's going out there, say from a March deadline or someone who's planning a, a hunt right now for 2020, even if there's elk in the area, what are the three things that are going to make them the most successful? Number one, don't go to Montana. Do not. <laughs> nope. Or Stay Idaho. Or Idaho. There's Stay no away. elk. <laughs> New Mexico. <clears throat> anyway. Washington. <laughs> um, Kentucky. <laughs> your training, <clears throat> being in shape. Uh, learning the language. Yep. And I don't know what the third shooting. one would be. Shoot, oh, you, shooting. Oh, shooting. That's You owe it to the animal yeah. to practice your butt off to be able to take an ethical shot. Practice at 100 yards, so 50 yards is a chip shot yep. type right. thing. That's that's like what, I've, that's what I've always taught my kids. It's like, you owe it to the animal. Yeah. Like, you get out there and shoot and you know, I mean, if you can't, if you can't get out there and like, like what she's saying, you, I practice, we practice at 70, 80, 100 yards. You know, we were talking earlier before the podcast, you know, I'm staying on the edge of the road and I'm shooting missing it up 109 <laughs> yards. <laughs> that was because of the, well, you know, and that was actually, that's, that's a, a life learning experience because you know what? I would never take a shot at an elk at 109 yards, no. but it might have been 60 yards like Adam, and my heart might have been racing. I might have been standing on top of a freaking deadfall like a like it's a swing set and be like, you know what? I'm not – I don't think I make that shot. And Adam made the right call. And yep. I'm not disappointed what – not 1% disappointed. I mean, I'm, he made the right call. And so th- that goes back to our hunt, and you owe it to the animal. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, if you have any doubt in your mind, you, you know, you know, we joke about, you know, Frank's like, you gotta get an arrow in him. Well, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you, you owe it to that animal. So you get an arrow in him when you know you can do it, right? And it's not a slam dunk. I mean, you look and, at the you look at the percentages for for the hunt areas either on on the the state's websites and stuff when you're doing your research it's not a slam dunk you need a little bit of luck oh for sure but you you do these couple things you're gonna up your odds right. increase your chances yep yeah. so with what you guys have said nowhere in there there wasn't from, did you ever believe us no <laughs> <laughs> from the beginning like i asked you and he couldn't give me like a good answer. And so we're all the way through a successful hunt. And nowhere in there was what made you successful was one singular piece of gear, except for maybe a John Deere tractor. But um, <laughs> it's way easier. I'm, I'm just saying. It is easier. Um, I told him he was going to get so much shit about that. I know. And I, ha- I have to just. I have a video. I'll show you the video <laughs> after the podcast. He just keeps. But Look, I got my XO pack and uh, yeah, I'm right on John Deere tractor. But, but honestly, from 
the new guy's perspective, you know, we talked about boots being important outside of boots, I guess, boots being one. What are the second and third things that you think make or break um, a hunt of that caliber? I would say arrow setup. I mean, if you don't have for that big of an animal, if your arrow setup isn't just for correct, antelope, you don't. You're you're not gonna you're not gonna penetrate. You're not gonna you're not gonna make an ethical shot, even though you might hit where you want. It's gonna bounce off like a BB. I mean, to me that, that that's that's the biggest, the second biggest thing I would think, right there. Can you tell I kind of disagree? I don't really disagree. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, got one more if, thing. You can you, give a third thing. But if you've listened to this podcast, you, I mean, it was like it was like John. If I would ask John the same thing, it'd be like, arrows. It's going to be arrows. Yeah. Like Pat and John are. We could do an arrow podcast like immediately after this, and they could and talk I, about like spines and grains and. And up I, front and all this and stuff. I'm not, like, I'm not saying it's not important because it, it is very important. It changed, you know, my whole setup changed and everything. But you know, as long as you're not shooting, if as long as you're not striving to shoot like 350 feet per second or 300 feet per second, then you're fine. You know, just just go a little bit heavier on your arrow. But I don't, I don't think it's like at the top of the list. And so, what would be at the top of your list, Amber? <laughs> <laughs> we'll just stop right there. <laughs> but, but, but then, what's at the top of your list? I mean, I, like I was, for for you, like well, you, you had a great discussion about boots earlier, mm-hmm. and so like Pat, obviously, you know, him and John are gonna talk arrows until we're blue in the face. But what about like camo? I mean, gear stuff like because um, I, mean, I, we I really was gonna bring that up, not camo necessarily, but just the quality of gear, right? You know, I don't know if we were breathable even, layers. I mean, if we were talking on the podcast or not, but we were <laughs> talking about just layering, and you know, you're gonna go even if it's 20 degrees, you're gonna be sweating your ass off hiking up the mountain. So you you need to be comfortable from sun up to sundown, and it needs to be durable too. So I think just gear from head to toe. Is good thing your bow and arrows that that's an obvious thing you know you're not gonna pick up a 1999 fucking bear bow with foo foo arrows or something to go shoot elk with but but the right arrow Uh, here we go here so all right so we're gonna go down another rabbit hole but oh geez like no I mean so you're talking your your garments and stuff like what did you guys use for what was your you know go to like undergarment your uh base layer i mean especially in the heat did you use a base layer yeah and i guess <clears throat> i run i run hot so i mean you too and she does too um so i was running um numa a company called numa um amber was on on sitka this this year but Loved it. I've been going with the Numa because they make tall sizes. Mm-hmm. I like the company. I like what they make. Uh, so I would I would be in like a lightweight pant with a merino wool bottom. That was good enough for me. Um, even on cooler days because once I started walking, I was right. fine. Now, I had a merino wool top 
with like they make make like a light jacket and sometimes i might have to zip that down just because i would get a little bit too warm um but it was a good windbreak if there was snow or rain or, or mist or anything like that that part of that jacket would would cover me i might have to put a different pair of, of pants on over my my light lighter weight stuff that wasn't waterproof mm-hmm. like when we were sitting glass yep. and waiting or if you get windy right just to cut that wind that that was huge but that was really kind of all i had i had some warmer stuff with me um like some insulating layers but you didn't need it um i tried merino Mm -hmm. like first light and i i like it but there's still just that little bit of discomfort like my skin it's even Mm -hmm. though it's merino it's still itchy Mm-hmm. on me as far as like the the wicking and the the odor from the merino i loved it you know it dried instantly when i was sweating my ass off so the sika base layer it was that's a synthetic um i i liked it it still wicked away the odor not so much <laughs> after a week 10 days that i think i did switch into my first light after the first week just because i could not stand the smell anymore Mm. but yeah and just you know layer your thin you got your like a zip up hoodie or uh, some sort of hoodie and then you have your thick uh jacket for glassing and then you rain and i I would carry some of that that extra heavier stuff with me just in my pack Mm -hmm. in case it got super windy or Right. Temp drop so that, or something. that morning that he shot his bull, honestly, I froze my ass off. I All I had was my Timberline pants, which they're not insulated. They're a little bit thicker. My feet got cold. My hands got cold. Everything was cold. But it was like 45 degrees, misting, damp. Yeah. And we were standing there for like an hour. I'm like, I don't know what would keep me warm standing here <laughs> without being, you know, like a marshmallow. It'd be like whitetail hunting. I'm right. like, I'm not You're fucking the, dressing for the, whitetail. The, the sick of f- fanatic outfit. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I went with non-merino. And I was comfortable. Very yeah. comfortable. I mean, the temperature swings are so, they can be so huge. It could be 20 15, 20 degrees at night, and then 80 yeah. during the day. During yeah. the day. And so, you're walking. Yeah. So having that ability to... we take off in the morning, and I'd start out in my freaking t-shirt, and I'd be sweating, like, in the first 150 yards. Mm-hmm. Like, all right. The first day I did it, I'm like, I'm... I'm putting my coat on, and I got my sweatshirt. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's cold. And Two like, steps. Yeah. Son of a bitch, we got to stop. <laughs> we, we never learned on that. We would say, it's so fucking cold, you yep. know, in the tent. It's 20 degrees yep. and get 10 steps up the mountain. I'm like, got to take this take off. Take the pack off. Take the vinyl harness <laughs> off. Take it off. All right, we got to get some water. Hey, hey we got to yep. take a break. Yep. Yeah. Let me take this off. <laughs> but. Uh, it's a learning experience. I mean, you know, here's my advice like to everybody. I mean, we learned a ton of shit from people. I mean, you know, it's like a baseline to get out there mm-hmm. and everyone's going to be different. Every experience is going to be different. You just have to 
have the confidence that you can get out there and you'll figure it out. And some yep. of those little like nagging things that Adam brought up earlier, it's like there's some stuff that people will tell you that sticks in your mind that when you come to that, you know, encounter or whatever, you're like, oh, so-and-so told me this. It's just there's some stuff, hopefully, that will stick with people. Right. When when the time comes, oh, we, we did make our own food too. Oh, that's mm. another podcast. But yeah, we did our dehydrated meals. Yeah, so and that's what Adam did, and I I went with straight like Mountain House and uh, I can't remember the other one. There was a couple ones that were really good. And, <laughs> oh, they're course, good. Yeah, and I ate Raymond, but yeah, but they're expensive. So like when you're right. going for two weeks. You're talking, dude. We save like probably four hundred dollars, right? Well, at least by doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's yeah, so, so like when you're doubled you. up as a as a as a household, yeah, definitely. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd be looking into making my own. We yep. we had the luxury with the like base camp outfitter tent too. This last year, we took we split it up with dehydrated meals and. Uh, our canned venison and beans. So that was nice to switch that up a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that helped out a lot. Yep. Yeah. So I think that, I don't know. I, th- I think at the very minimum, we're going to have to continue this at the total archer challenge this year. And we can go down the food road or, you know, Amber and I had very similar, um, white tail seasons. And, nah, and so, you had a much better white tail season than me. <laughs> I don't think so. I think I never was, got one with my bow. Well, yeah, we killed similar caliber bucks, and we missed the same buck with our bow. Yeah. <laughs> so touche. So touché. it was, it was very, very similar. But I, I definitely want to continue that. And they like to drink beer. Um, I've had like two beers this evening, so I think yeah. maybe we can two beers continue that. on Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll continue that. Uh, you're gonna have to walk home. Through, you know, your I, wife yeah, my left. wife left me, yeah. so I'm gonna have to walk home. Yeah. That's that's no shit. Like I went out to take a piss, and I was like, "Where's she my going?" Shit. I walked in to take a piss, and I was like, "Holy shit!" My wife's in bed. I'm like, "Where's yeah. Casey?" Oh, she went home. Yeah. You know, when I went in last, um, Casey's like, don't tell Adam, but I'm leaving. Can you guys take him home? <laughs> That's not a problem. <laughs> Just don't tell him I'm leaving. I don't want to mess up his podcast. Uh, <laughs> okay, <nope>. Casey. <laughs> uh, priorities. Right. <laughs> Household priorities. Yeah. So. Yeah, we can we can revisit it. Total Archie. You're going to have to get a time slot out for me, though. Yeah, I mean... I'll we'll be just, I'll be freaks. I won't be shooting. So yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing. We're just going to volunteer, and then we'll have somebody else like run all the transactions because John still, John and I still don't know how to right sell anything. We'll change that this year. <laughs> so, we're going to be at the BHA, and we're just, just going to be drinking beer. Just bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're volunteering to drink beer. Yeah. So, so on that note, I wanted to tell you guys real quick about our uh, Michigan rendezvous. BHA that we're having. It's August 16th to 18th in Baldwin. Um, Big Star Lake. Do you guys know where Big Star Lake is? Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. It's a campsite there. Um, It fits like 120 or 130 people. 
got it reserved, lining some people up. So it'll it'll be a fun weekend. Definitely a lot bigger than in the in the past years. Yep. Right. So more to come, but we're we're in the, That's right. in the works. It's just west of your uh, your cabin. Yep. And uh some of our good friends just bought a plot of land right on Big Star Lake. So Ooh. I got a place to park my trailer. Nice. Perfect. It's perfect. And it's not understand for all of you that are listening out there and you're like i got a family i got shit to do like i can't possibly do that like i'm gonna set my wife on the property with all of her friends and then we'll make it work so yeah there were kids there last year so yeah but yeah that that sounds like 100 percent doable um, we're really, really excited about it. Uh, Dustin Nichols and I are in the process of getting some speakers squared away. Like we're actually having big speakers cause there's, there's a spot, there's a covered area and then there's an actual like hall that seats like 250 people. So if the weather's shit, then we can all pile in there. Um, campfire stories Saturday night and, yeah, it's it's going to be a very, very fun Truth weekend. or dare. Truth. <laughs> wow. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I just want to thank you guys for, you know, sticking with us for the six months of, like, trying to, like, put this whole thing together. And, you know, John's a real busy guy. Six months I'm and just ten here. hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... We'll definitely put your information on there if anybody has any questions for you guys or uh, anything like that. If you want to dive a little bit deeper into Pat's story, um, Chad has uh, the whole story on Backcountry Rookies, maybe a little bit different take on it um, than we took it from the Midwestern sort of point of view, and he took it from maybe like starting out to finish. um, Yeah, it was more like the details of the story yep. kind of the yep. whole story from start to finish yeah and it was i mean half this time so i think we got like <laughs> twice as much information on ours but you know but, uh, <laughs> we'll see what your listeners think <laughs> but i just want to say again thanks for you know taking the time and coming up here and hanging out with us for you know the better part of two days appreciate it yeah it was a blast yeah. Love so it. let's do it again We'll have to get you back to your wife ASAP. Or just yeah. do some shooting. We should do some shooting too. Once sure. I can do that, At two a.m. Yeah, we can do that too. <laughs> this is the way that it's been going. I think this is a. We could always do this again at the freaking club too. Yeah, I mean, oh, when you yeah. can shoot. Yeah. So. Heck yeah. Anytime. But yeah, I think that's kind of all we got for them this evening. You know, they got to get home to their dog and. John's dogs are annoying the fuck out of us. So I think that's pretty much all we got for the evening. So, all right. All right. right. Thanks, guys. See you. See you.
and sit down. legendary shows in the outdoors is on waypoint tv don't miss primo's truth about hunting wednesday nights at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment i'm will cooper and you're listening to hunt stands make your mark podcast on the waypoint podcast network stick around as i bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life